The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Carolinas GCSA or the show sponsors. You're listening to Pullin' Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Brought to you by Simplot Turf and Horticulture, an innovative company that is dedicated to your success by pioneering new technologies to provide solutions for your challenges. Simplot Turf and Horticulture is a partner you can grow with and provides the latest products from all of the leading manufacturers. Simplot Turf and Horticulture bringing Earth's resources to life. Now, here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Tim Krieger. Hey, and welcome in the Pulling Weeds. Something dot something dot something. Yeah, I was trying to think of what day it is. Pro Series. August 15th. For today, when you're listening to it, it is, folks, and welcome in. Howdy, howdy. I'm Alan Knight, joined by Tim Krieger. How are you? I'm happy to keep you caught up today, Alan. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was stressed out on the ride up here. Well, why would you be stressed out on the ride, Alan? I don't know. Just a couple of idiot drivers. Because there's not many on the road anymore, or have you noticed an uptick? Since no, there's an uptick. All, every time you venture out, it seems like there's more people now, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. No doubt. And I feel like the Lord throws the ones who can't drive right in front of me. Well, if you quit doing 90 in the left lane, Alan, we wouldn't have these problems. Nah, I go to the speed limit, man. But going down St. Andrews, this dude. Wait, you were in St. Andrews today? Earlier. No, not on San Andrews Road in Columbia. This is a golf podcast. That's true. True. No, I'm looking forward to going. Hopefully, a year or two. We'll see. So, I was talking to um, Ben McGraw the other day. Yep. And we were reminiscing about all the golf we didn't play this year that we were supposed to. Fisher's yeah. Island and Sleepy Hollow. and Yeah. I mean, he rolled off a few more, and I just felt like <laughs> punching him right through the, right through the phone, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, He's busy with his weebles. 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 What are those things? Have, did you see his videos, like when he's tub he has with the rotten fruit and all these things crawling around? No. Yeah. I just saw the one where he had a handful of June bugs. That's what, yeah. And I felt like saying, there's got to be a purpose. Like, can we not, some kind of renewable energy source. To use his brain power on? Yeah, I mean, if we can, if we can turn <laughs> switchgrass into making a fuel to make your car go, uh, there's not enough something inside those insects to put in a jug, to squeeze, and to press, to get fuel get something yeah or food well once he cures the abw problem we'll get on the uh fuel source he did try and sell me one of those traps from my yard and i was like dude i've only seen like one he's like well if you have one you must have a thousand you got abws i don't even know what that is i had a june bug the annual bluegrass weevil well i get it but i don't i got you i mean if somebody had one in their hand right versus another bug in this hand would you be able to tell which one's which no 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 no. unless it's like a butterfly in an abw correct correct (laughs) i'm with you that's where i am too all right enough about bugs um and crud and all that other kind of stuff what are we talking about here today al i'm excited i am too it's a great episode you arrange this with kyle trainham who was a good friend and a golf course superintendent at willow creek here in town correct Correct. yep greenville over in duncan area yep just east of Greenville. and uh greer i believe is the official address is it not i'm not sure to be honest with you um but he brought in his cousin, or yeah, yeah, cousin Dillard Pruitt, second cousin Bill Haas. Dillard. Dillard, give everybody a little prep on Dillard. Who was Dillard? Dillard played golf at Clemson, then he played on tour, was a winner on tour, probably back in the eighties, maybe early nineties, and then is a rules of golf for the PGA Tour now. 
Now, did we see him on the fence with Bryson the other day? That was not that was not Dillard, was it? I don't think so. No, I had to do a double take because I had to zoom in. I was like, if that's him, we're going to tweet about oh, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dillard is not on Twitter. I look for him this morning. Yeah, no, he's um, golly, I've had the pleasure of sitting in a duck blind with him, and um, yeah, he's an amazing shot and an amazing human being. So, anyways, who else was on? He's with a us? class act, no doubt. So then you got his brother-in-law Jay Haas and his son Bill Haas. Who don't really need an introduction, I don't believe. You mean like the Haases, like like we've watched on TV for 30, 40 years now? Yeah. The, yep. the father-son combo? Yeah. That are both winners on tour? And a FedEx Cup champion? And a FedEx Cup champion with his pants rolled up, chipping out of the water, left to 17, now 8? Yeah, that's right. Remarkable. I, look, we could go on and on because I know everybody tunes in just to listen to Alan and I. But, Al, unless you got anything else, I think this one's worthy of just you and me shutting up and letting them listen. Bulk Aggregate Golf, a family-owned and operated business since 1980. Bulk Aggregate Golf provides USGA green mixes, bunker sands, maintenance sands, and all-size bridging aggregate to golf clubs in the southeastern United States. With mobile blenders able to custom blend any root zone specified and the sole provider of tour angle bunker sand. Often thought of as the number one angular bunker sand in the southeast, Bulk Aggregate Golf is experienced in supplying any size job. Bulk Aggregate Golf, the number one supplier of golf turf and sports turf aggregates in the southeast. 1-877-BULK-AG, bulkag.com. 1-877-BULK-AGG, bulkag.com. We are here at the Haas Family Golf Center. With the Haas family. Wow. And Cal Trainum, who is indirectly part of the Haas family. He is. So why don't you go around the room and introduce who we've got at the table. All right, Big Al. Hello. On the right. Yep. Kyle Trainum, on the left. Superintendent at local, magical, just renovated Willow Creek. Say hey. Hey, it's me. I'm here. Kyle's the reason we're all here today. That's correct. Why don't you tell everybody how we got here? Uh, as far as why we're all around the table, how'd we end up here? Tim bugging you, yeah, and Tim. Chuck saying, "Oh, we should do this with all those people that Kyle knows." They're actually they were on a golf trip or going on a golf trip, <clears throat> and um, I think I had, I had something going on the next day, and I wasn't able to go with you guys, and. Um, there was probably some adult beverages involved, and uh, was that the same? They, they kind of brought it up, and uh, I said, "I'm on, I'm game. Sounds good to me." So he made it happen. Thank you. Yeah. So, what's your relationship to everybody around the table? You can introduce uh, them. Dillard Pruitt is my first cousin, um, and then Jay Haas is married to Dillard's sister. And then Bill was Jay's son. So Bill was my second cousin. Nice. Wow. So, so sitting to your left is Jay Haas. Who really needs no introduction. Exactly. Did you bring all the stats? I don't want to misquote. I've got some stuff here. I've got some things here. How many majors? How about how many? Uh, three senior majors. <laughs> I've got that. We're getting there. Let's go I've with the important that. part. Ten grandkids. That's exactly right. <laughs> we just had... Uh, Quite the last uh, few days, uh, the Christmas holidays, my wife Jan, Dillard's sister, 
she loves Christmas holidays and obviously the grandkids and <laughs> goes all out for that. And it's uh, just a ton of fun. You can't, uh, can't imagine life without them now as we go uh, as we get older and I get way more sentimental as life goes on a, a cute commercial comes on I kind of get a little misty you know and, uh, which is not the way I uh, was uh, as a younger person but it's uh, it, as anybody with kids or grandkids know there's just nothing like it and uh, we've had some uh, some good times here recently somebody asked him how Santa treated him and I asked him how did he get to be as Santa and you should have seen the bigger smile yeah, on yeah. Like, oh yeah I filled him up well sitting next to his left is his son Bill Haas Mr. Haas how are you I'm doing good thanks thanks for having me thank you for being here and uh to Mr. Haas's left is Dillard Pruitt it's a pleasure to be here and so thank you for being here we've got two South Carolina Golf Hall of Fame members here I'm sure Bill will be there one day uh, and your father yeah. And your father was also in it. So So wait, wait. They don't they didn't see that look. We're in podcast land. Okay. You acknowledged Kyle's father. Correct. Kyle Trainer's father is in the South Carolina Dillard. Hall of Fame. Yep. Quite the amateur player. And which is where you got your name from. Exactly what, exactly right. Kyle told Great me this man. story at the Oyster Roast that I guess your dad waited so long to have kids. Uh, they didn't they didn't think uh Dillard's parents didn't think my dad was gonna have kids, so that's where he got his name. <laughs> so that means your son will be named Dillard since we're still waiting? No, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, I guess y'all do know that part of that. <laughs> I want to run over a few stats of our guest here real quick before For we sure. jump into the media interview. And we'll start with the elder Jay Haas. The elder Haas, Mr. Jay Haas. Attended Wake Forest University. Uh, was NCAA team and individual champion. And please correct me if I, any of my notes are wrong. And so this stat... Most PGA Tour cuts made at 592. When I saw that originally, that was from 2007. So I'm doing my research, and I said, ah, somebody may have beaten that by now. And I don't believe anybody has as of 2018. So, Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, wow. 33 professional wins across multiple tours, three senior majors. Uh, he was a Walker Cupper in 1975, three-time Ryder Cup participant. He was at three President's Cups, two playing and one coaching. And... Uh, Obviously, that was the big one where Bill sank the putt and, and won it. So uh, We'll be talking about that in a minute. Yeah, we're going to get back to most of this. Mr. Haas, also, Bill Haas, also played at Wake Forest College. Kind of cool. Ten college wins. Did y'all uh, the same coach? Sorry. We, we did not. No. <laughs> uh, There's a good story there, though. What's that? Jump in. His, his coach was, uh, was Jerry Haas. Was Bill's coach? That's it's right. my coach, yeah. which is your my brother, brother my right. younger brother, right? And he's still there. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, did you know that, Alan? I did know. We'll talk about Reynolds Park here in a little bit. Gotcha. Mr. Haas goes for a clinic with his brother each year, I believe. So Bill won the Haskins Award, the Jack Nicholas Award, the Ben Hogan Award, all in one year, correct? Senior year at yeah. Wake Forest. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty good stuff there. And he also is that set, like a triple double in basketball? Has anybody else done that? Probably not. I bet so. I mean, there's been some good college players, and I just had a good senior year. And but like Tiger Woods probably won every award. But what year was that? I don't have the year down. There's Three, two thousand four. Four. Okay. Uh, he also set an NCAA record for lowest scoring average. It's kind of impressive. What was it? 
I don't have that in my notes. Thanks, Tim. 68 point something. 68.9 or something like that, which I think wow. has actually been beat since then. But my career around 68. Good playing there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> do that for a season. Okay. <laughs> I can't even do the math. That means there were some over 68s as well, and there's some way under. Hey, Bill was also on the Walker Cup. Uh, one thing is kind of cool. He birdied his last two holes in 2005 to obtain his PGA Tour card. Is that correct? That's right. And y'all are the only father-son that have ever competed on that. Is that correct? Uh, in the in the, the Walker, Walker Cup, Cup. Uh, probably. Uh, I, I think that might I be think right. We had that. We highlighted that at some point. Did Kevin Stadler play on the? Uh, That's Walker a good Cup question. Team? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or Wybring, you know, Matt and yeah, I don't, I don't think DA so. Would have I don't think Da played on it. Uh, I'm trying to think who would have. No, I think that. That's it. a cool stat. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're here for. That. Yeah. Well, Making memories with the Haases. Way to sidestep. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Bill's first win was at the 2010 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic, which I think would be a really cool one to win. Uh, and then he had a phenomenal up and down tour championship from the water. To, uh, was that the year you won the FedEx Cup? Yes. That was yeah. on 17, right? I believe so. Up and down on 17 and then part 18? But that was in the, it was in the playoffs. So it was the second playoff hole. We started at 18 and then went back to 17 mm-hmm. and then it went to 18 again. Which is now eight and nine, just to confuse everybody. But Correct. they've switched the nines. <laughs> do you there. like that better with them being switched, or do you like how it finished? I mean, maybe that's a dumb question. Yeah, I mean, I it doesn't really. They're both good finishing holes. You know, one's probably a little more dramatic, making a par on the now the new number nine is a hard par three, um, but now the new eighteen is a par five, which is more you know it's birdies and eagles, and so people I think people like to see that maybe a little better. Nice. So Bill went on to win the FedEx Cup title that year and is a three-time President's Cup player. So kudos for all those accomplishments. Mr. Pruitt. $10 million. 11. Is 11. Well, just the cup is 10, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 11, 11 <laughs> four or something, wasn't it? Not Kyle's is County. Is this where we get the really smart <laughs> rear-end comments that say, can you get Dad a new table? I'm just waiting. This is a new table. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than one of the SCGA. So, Mr. Pruitt played at Clemson. He was a member of the 82 National Championship NCAA team. Turned pro in 1995. Spent two years on the European tour. Correct? That's correct. But that was the ACC championship. I'm sorry. That's right. There's a little difference. There is. I apologize. Thank you for correcting me. It it was big to us, trust me. How was the European tour? It was was fun. I played two years, learned a lot. Was it it interesting? Was it tough for a boy from Greenville to travel? Travel about Traveler's Rest. (laughs) 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 Uh, It it was interesting. I learned a lot. Trust me, changing money, the travel, language. I mean, English is hard enough, right? (laughs) (laughs) So he joined the PGA Tour in 1988. Won the Chattanooga Classic in 1991. Was the first Clemson alumni to ever win a PGA Tour event, which is, I can't, you know how many they're up to now? I mean, it's double digits, isn't it? Yes. I lost count after one. This is something we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> Became the, irrelevant about all the money. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's a two-time Sonny Hanna amateur champion. Big amateur tournament here in the Carolina how and does in he the say United that? States. Do you say that, Sonny? Sonny Hanna? Sonny Hanna. Well, I'm from. Florence, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not sure. If but the cool right. thing to me about that is you won it many years apart. It wasn't like you went back to back. Nineteen. Nineteen years apart. Man, we're going to get to that. 
and amateur status and stuff like that. So, oh, you're one of them. I forgot. Oh yeah, no. I, on my research on Dillard, if I didn't know him so well, I was thinking he might be a snaky little guy. But uh, <laughs> we won't mention any of those guys around Columbia's name it's right all, now. And somebody in Golf Digest has it out for you. I don't yeah, know who it is. That's all right. I read this article and I wanted to go back and see who the author was. It just said staff opinion. I was like, that's weak. I'm not putting your name on it after. Well, what are you talking about? What article? About this, him winning the Sunny Hand the second time in his amateur status. They didn't think that anybody with a tour win should be able to. Some did, some didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how long did you have to wait? It didn't say in the article. Four uh, years? Three years. Okay. Three years after I uh, resigned from the membership of the PGA Tour and resigned my membership of the PGA of America, which I didn't play golf for about three years or two years prior to that before applying. But Right. Uh, and that went through the South Carolina Golf Association? It goes through the South Carolina Golf Association, and then it goes to the USGA. Gotcha. Charles Warren, friend of everybody here, got a 10-year sentence. Yeah, it's a little too harsh, in my, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so that's all, the, that's all the Pruitt. What year is he on now? About seven or eight? He's, he's only, he doesn't have very many more. He's getting uh, close, A year he? or two. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Are you guys going to start playing in some USGA four-ball <laughs> events? <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be awesome. And then we got Kyle Trainum, who just redid his greens. How's that going? It's good. Good. It's good. They're, they're just kind of sitting there right now. Tiff Eagle? Yeah, Tiff Eagle. Good. I'm glad. What Do was there before? Hmm? What did you have before? Uh, bent grass. Oh. Crenshaw. Right. I text, I text Kyle last night to make sure the greens were doing good for us. Asked that question. I didn't want to, uh, don't, don't talk about that. Oh, yeah, they're good. They're just, <laughs> just sitting there. I'm going to try them out today. They come with a, a case of sunscreen, right? Yeah. I mean, because you're going to have the summer off. No, it's going to be nice, isn't it, Kyle? <laughs> I will have it off. That's what everybody it, thinks, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody thinks. You get the clock out at noon, they're going to be fine. They'll be there tomorrow. That's what I'm hoping for. Tell me about different than what you had before. <clears throat> Paris Mountain, and that golf course. I know I saw a picture of you guys together a year or two ago. Yeah, um, originally my grandfather built it. Okay. Um, it opened in 1938. Wow. Um, it was just nine holes, um, and during that that same time, he was a golf course superintendent at Greenville Country Club. <clears throat> really? And uh, he had. What you know is Riverside now. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, right where the entrance is, they had a house right there for the superintendent. And that's where my aunts and uncles, they were all raised right there pretty much. Right. Uh, for a large portion of their life. But uh, he was there from 1922 to 1945. He retired. And at that point, he built nine more holes at Parish Mountain. And, and uh, did it go away for a while? Did it did. It? They, he sold it. Um, I'm gonna say in the early '60s, and uh, and then I have a cousin that started working there when he got out of high school, and I think probably around. Well, he wasn't out of high school yet, but he started working there in about 1979. It was Somerset at that time. Um, he went to work there just as a cart boy, and um, when he got out of high school, went into the pro shop, became the general manager, and. Then in 2000, I think it was 2014, he and a few other people, they bought it and renamed it Parish Mountain right, Country Club. Right, back to, yeah. good. That's cool. I'm sure you were happy to see that yeah. come to fruition. Yeah. Mr. Haas, you ended up, you're from Illinois, correct? That's correct, yes. How did you end up in Greenville? You know, uh, 
Kind of a long story, I guess, but the, the, the short version is I went to Wake Forest to school. My uncle is Bob Golby, and Bob knew the coach at Wake Forest, a guy named Jesse Haddock is a coach. And he said, you know, my nephew's a good player. You got to give him a chance. Uh, and I think golf was so regional back then. Nobody really traveled a long way to go to school. And, you know, here's a kid from Illinois. Didn't play in the wintertime. Didn't play a national schedule. You know, it was kind of a, a, a real chance that Jesse took on me. But anyway, got to Wake and uh, ended up getting on tour and met Jan. Uh, it, at uh, Hilton Head at the, yeah. at, the Town, at the Heritage event in 1977 and that was my first year on tour and we were married in October of 78 and lived in Charlotte for about five years and then in 83 uh, we moved back to Greenville and uh, her, her okay. family Dillard's right. parents were both sick at the time and she said you know uh, when they're gone we can go anywhere you want to go well by that time uh, I had really enjoyed Greenville. We had another uh, fourth child, I guess. The boys, uh, Jay Jr. is the oldest, then Bill, and they were born in Charlotte. And then our first two daughters uh, came along uh, in Greenville, and by that time, that was home. You're planted, yeah. 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 And, you know, we've seen so much growth here. It's just incredible what's happened in Greenville and in the surrounding areas is really cool. And certainly for them, you know, Bill's now 37, Jay's 38, and they have kids of their own. And so it's, re it's really neat to see uh, what's happened in Greenville, uh, just how vibrant it is and uh, continue. It looks like there's no end in sight right now. So uh, it's been fun to see that growth. And, but that's how we got here. We've been here 36 years now. So it's home, uh, home to me. Something I want to ask you about, Winston-Salem. Kermit's Hot Dog. Kermit's. You ever heard of Kermit's? I haven't heard okay. of Kermit's. It's no. a little hot dog place. What about Boom and Gray Stadium? Yeah. Right? Have you ever seen a race there? No, I did not see a race there, no. That's on my to-do list. I, yeah. I have a question, okay. if I'm allowed to ask it. So what does a tour pro, mid to late 70s, do to meet a woman on Hilton Head Island? While he's playing. Well, it was really a chance meeting. Can you meeting. tell that story? Yeah, <clears throat> real quickly. You weren't on Joe Rice's boat, obviously. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look at that face. Uh oh, there's a story. It was, uh, well, my Uncle Bob had won in 1970. He was a second winner of the Heritage. Arnold won in 69, and then Bob won in 70. And so he had some pull with the tournament organizers and you know it was an invitational at the time i guess it's still somewhat of an invitational a shorter field and he talked the guy into giving me an exemption in 77 because i didn't have any status really on tour i was i had my card i was you know i hadn't won a tournament i'd only been on tour for three and a half months basically and so i got a spot in the tournament uh, in the meantime, uh, Dillard's parents, George and Winona, they used to vacation down there with friends and family. And Jan was at school at, uh, in Tallahassee at Florida State. And it was her spring break, and so she drove to see her parents. Not many kids, I don't think, come see their parents at spring break. You know, they're looking to do something else. So uh, my benefit there that she came to see her parents. So I really shouldn't have been there, you know, being on uh, a rookie on tour so that was a benefit and she ended up uh, placing a bet on me they were they were uh, gathered together again friends and family and 
they bet on the tournament, you know, picked winners. And so I guess she looked at her dad and said, well, who's a, who's a no-name, a, a young guy? Uh, and he had seen – Dillard grew up right across the street from Furman Golf Course. And we – at Wake Forest, we played uh, – three out of my four years played in the Furman Invitational. So I think uh, Dillard's dad, George, had seen me play or seen Wake Forest play and just recognized my name. And so he threw that out. And so Jan bet 50 cents or whatever, not very much, I don't think. And so she said, well, let's go check this guy out. And so she and her dad came and watched me play for a few holes uh, the first day. Now I'm playing with a guy named Don Iverson and Graham Marsh, who was a rookie. And wow. Graham, Graham Marsh won the event that year. We were prepared the first two days, and so there wasn't a big gallery around us. So if you see a beautiful, tall, blonde person in the in the gallery, it's pretty easy to spot. But she was time only, and time and time. Yeah, again. well, it was she was only there for about four holes, and uh, the second day, same thing happened. She came out for about three or four holes. Uh, if you remember eighth green kind of is a, there's a road there nine ten eleven there's kind of a road that's everything's right there and so she followed those four holes and that was it well the next morning uh, i had a friend from wake forest caddying for me and we're sitting uh, i'm putting getting ready to tee off and i looked at him charles slater is his name still a great friend and i looked at charles and i said you know if that girl's here today She's either following you or me, and I'm assuming it's me. <laughs> and, and he said, well, that's probably a good assumption. Anyway, we got there, and sure enough, on the first green this time, there she is. And a few more people. I had I'd never worked so hard in my life to make the cut just so I was there for the weekend, you know, to get to maybe have a chance to speak to this girl. And so she followed most of the day. And then I had another friend in the gallery who was following along, and I got his attention. And it turned as Jan, I didn't know her name at the time, she would either be way up or way back. You would never ride around the T or the green area where I could kind of, you know, get a close up look or say hey to her or smile at her or anything like that. And so I asked my friend to, you know, check her out. Is she married? I didn't even know. I thought maybe she was a girlfriend of the two guys that I was playing with, you know, the first two days. So we had different pairings, so I knew that wasn't the case. Anyway, uh, we were staying on the 18th tee, and there she is. First time I'd seen her within 50 yards, you know, and she's standing next to my friend, and my friend's giving me the okay sign, <laughs> everything's on, on go here. So I finish the hole, and I sign my card, and I go outside the tent, and there's my friend standing there, and no Jan, no girl. I'm going, well, he's giving me the, you know, the okay sign. What, what does that mean? Well, she didn't want to meet you. She, you know, whatever, da-da-da-da-da. And I, she said, but I've got a number where she's staying if you want to give her a call. So I'm thinking, well, if she didn't want to meet me, she just certainly didn't want to go out with me or anything. But I decided to give her a call. And she was staying with in, in a condo not far from where we were staying. I was staying with my Uncle Bob, as a matter of fact, in, in, at the, the old Hyatt down there. Uh, probably torn down now, I'm sure. And I said, can I borrow the car tonight? And he goes, well, for? And I said, well, I got a date. He goes, what do you mean you got a date? You got to play golf tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, I'm going on a date tonight. And we went to dinner, had a great time. Uh, again, she was going to Florida State. Uh, two weeks later, the, the, the tournament's uh, schedule used to be uh, Players' Championship, Hilton Head, Greensboro, then Augusta. Huh. And so it was a little laid out uh, d differently than it is now. If you weren't in Augusta, the Tallahassee Open, 
uh, was the same week. So if you you know only 80, 90 guys in, in Augusta, and so there was a bunch of players that were looking for a place to play. And I certainly was now, knowing that Jan was going to be in Tallahassee, and so uh, we spent a lot of time together that week, and it was that was it for me. So. Good for you. Best pulling weed story of the year, hands down. <laughs> We've had 19 episodes, I think, on record, and that may be my favorite story. Yeah. How cool well, that was that? a very long story. I apologize. Nope, that's but so it much was better a, than the new ones it, where the tour provided 18 people over here that you're supposed to go meet. And that, right. That's, that's awesome. You did win the Mexican Open. Did you play the Mexican Mini Tour for Club Pro Guy? No, okay. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't win the Yucatan Masters either. But I was, uh, you know, just went down there, and it was at Chapultepec where they play now the uh, one of the World Golf Championships, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, a guy oh, wow. named Jim Cook, that. John Cook's father, yep. uh, put it together, and it was kind of in the off season. Yeah. And, and won that. So oh, well, I saw cool. that on my notes last night. Yeah. I, I did not know that one. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about, we talked about Bob Golby. That was your uncle. Right. And he was a master champion. Was that the year the scorecard? Was that the scorecard? Yep, 1968. And, and, you know, it's funny. It, somebody said to me just, just recently, uh, so tell me how he messed up Roberto's card. <laughs> and so that no one really understands the story, certainly not in this uh, era. Even players, even champs of today well you know they don't know they just know bob is in there with a green jacket you know they kind of know maybe there was a a mess up there but uh you know it it, i don't know if you want to hear the i would love the exact story but uh bob was in the last group roberto was maybe in the third to last group he was playing with tommy aaron Uh, he and bob both shot really good rounds bob 66 uh, roberto 65 which was later amended to 66 because of his uh, error. But uh, Roberto birdied 17, then bogeyed 18. Bob, in the meantime, birdied uh, eagle uh, 15, three-putted 17. So now he's on 18 thinking he needs a par to tie. A hell of a two-putt from the top tier. That pin was in that front left where it always is. Putted it down about four and a half feet, and he makes it. And in the meantime, Roberto had... uh, Sign an incorrect card. Tommy Aaron had put a four down on 17. Roberto didn't catch it, so if you sign for a higher score, that's your score. And so he was 10 under, Bob was 11, and so Bob was declared the winner. And he didn't have anything to do with it, but a lot of people thought that he was the reason uh, that Roberto didn't win. Everybody thought that had Roberto signed the correct card, he would have won the tournament. Well, he still would have had to have a playoff. Playoff, correct. And so, you know, it, there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, but Bob, you know, as if, as if life has gone on, you know, he's got the green coat and he's, uh, he's okay with it for a long time, though he didn't get his just due uh, for winning that tournament. It was always Roberto's tournament and Bob somehow backed into the win. Right. But, All right. For our two listeners in Scotland and our two in Australia, it's your role to carry this torch across the world and tell people the real story. Right. You heard it here first. Right. They weren't even in the same group, people. Correct. Correct. Yeah, they weren't. No, Bob didn't have anything to do with it. It was funny. when If you go back now on, I want to say on YouTube, you can see every Sunday telecast of the Masters huh. that, you know, prior to the age when golf's on TV 24-7. So you Google 1968 Masters, and it will show you the the actual telecast uh, that, I guess, CBS uh, did. 
And if you watch as Bob finishes the 18th hole, he makes his putt and he thinks he's tied and he goes up there. Now they have, you've been to Augusta, they're kind of where the umbrellas are, those little round metal tables. They had one of those out there. That was the scoring area. And it is, there's no tent. The people are just like this. I mean, there's... Uh, wow. So it could be distracting. It could be distracting. Yeah. Well, Bob goes up there. Now, there's usually three seats. Uh, there's an official Augusta National member and then two seats for the players. And there's an Augusta National member sitting in one. Roberto is sitting in the other. And Tommy Aaron, I mean, uh, uh, Ray Floyd, who Bob played with, is, is grabs the other one. So now Bob didn't even have a place to sit to check his scorecard. Can you imagine that today? It's like a junior tournament. Yeah. So he goes down to one knee and kind of starts, you know, checking his scorecard. And then finally with that, Roberto gets up and, and leaves. And so then Bob gets to sit down and, and check his card. So And that's on, on the telecast. You can see that's cool. this little scene happening. Uh, and then apparently Bob signed his card and then saw... Uh, I think Dal Finsterwall was uh, not a competitor, but something to do with TV at the time. And he said, Bob, you won the tournament. And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, Roberto messed up his card. Wow. And so, he, it sounds like he'd been hanging out in the tent for a while. If he was two groups ahead and he's still well, there he, when Bob gets there, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he left, though. You know, he, he signed sure. the card and left. And then they realized that the the hole by hole did not add up to what he shot but i mean he had to have another group come through and right. he was still in somebody else's right. chair for that and he, group too. well he i he think they called him back, back. oh I gotcha. they were trying to figure it out they had never had anything like that happen gotcha. before and dillard could speak to that i mean in in today's world it would just be you're done right. you know what's or, the scoring or area like today dillard <laughs> it's not a little we bad. don't get to see when the, when <laughs> yeah. the door closes and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say the scoring area was different at augusta the next year <laughs> <laughs> don't know that for sure but I'm probably say it was. was go yeah. watch the 69 yeah. and find out Sunday round. now bill you can say you leave the green and what happens then it's the in today's world how far do you have to at go? augusta oh at augusta you go all the way across the first tee box into the building, into the clubhouse. Underneath, there's this bottom uh, room down below, which might have been something different. Um, or there might even be some lockers down there. So, like under the golf shop, almost to the right of it and under. Yes. Okay. And you, um, yeah, you sign your card there, and but it is definitely separated from everyone. Quiet little room, uh, no press, no right. nothing. Yes. Probably, I think on Sunday, probably, CBS gets a camera in there sometimes. Yeah, privacy is a big deal. Yeah. The security. You know, yeah. When you really think, get down to it, security is a big issue, too. You want to try to get the players away from the green and away from the people as soon as you can. Sure. Yeah. We do not allow the PGA Tour, doesn't allow a camera inside the trailer, but that doesn't mean that they might have one outside the window sure. shooting in. Okay, okay. Uh, kind of battle with that every now and then but does the tour officiate the masters the tour does not officiate the masters the masters have they have their own committee uh, that's typically just members is it not uh typically i think a few of the members are usga officials dillard that's or? correct and 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 the the masters committee uh has help from are you scratching Pete? paint off the new table <laughs> what the hell's going on over there? there's a flake over here i'm What's taking notes big, and that's a, big, a fine a big right party there. There. that's a fine that's a family fine you but, might not uh, get the new sweater the, next year the, the committee at augusta they have representatives from 
USGA, the RNA, the PGA Tour, the Ladies Tour, the, the European Tour, all over the place. So there are people there, but it is under the Masters Committee. It's under their control. Well, I mean to transition real quick. Okay, everyone that's listening, Dillard is a rules official. Correct. Is that PGA the right Tour. title? P- I work for the PGA Tour. Correct. It's my 22nd year. So you are one of those guys um, that we see on there sometimes pointing the little um, antenna on the radio, like pointing at the ball. That's, that's correct. I always that's correct. Want, when I worked for half, that's the only reason I wanted radio. I just wanted to point. Well, <laughs> to radio in one hand and donut in the other hand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I didn't coming see from the donut. Out, out under the shade tree. Right? That's, right. that's right. Or in a rain suit. You guys that's are right. always fully decked out usually, in rain It's usually cold. Kind of wiping his eyes. You know, he woke up from a nap over there under a tree somewhere. Have so you, you guys too? have a lot of respect from the players out there, it sounds like. <laughs> have you two ever been involved in a rule situation together? We have. We have nothing, uh, you know, nothing crazy, terrible or anything. He getting any preferential the, treatment? The, or I think the one I remember the most is <laughs> Bill. Shaking his Bill, head. Bill was playing with Charles Warren, and I think Ooh. I think Charles might have felt like Bill deserved At some casual water, temporary turning, water, turning yeah. stone. I deserve casual water, and yeah. you didn't think you did. You did deserve it, right? It was he said it as it is. Ball. I heard it. He and, said uh, I deserved. But no, Diller came, and he just said he goes. That's I think I don't really remember, but he goes. That's everywhere, Bill. We're not really giving relief for that unless it's you know you can't really find. I don't remember exactly what the rule was, but basically played his lies. And when he left, Charles Warren said, "You just got uncled." <laughs> <laughs> I think he hit it very close and made birdie. I did. That's right. It wasn't even an issue. There you go. <laughs> did, you, did you just eyeball him as you walked by? Yeah, yeah. Stink eye him as you did. Yeah, yeah it's going to hurt. No, I wasn't going to argue. I no, it was fine. But it was worth that. I guess it was enough where I felt like I should ask. And but it was a gray area. There's an annual out. Christmas family outing. Is there not? We've always had it recently at Paris Mountain. So did that come up that year? That you got uncled while y'all are having your event? Did you say, hey, man, Charles, this might have been the Charles second or said. third time that was ever even discussed. But. That's pretty funny. Okay, so we, what majors are you guys involved with then from the PGA Tour perspective? Any? Uh, none. None. You just run the tour events that we look at when we see the app and the schedule. That correct? is correct. You know, the, the, the U.S. Open run by the USGA, they correct. invite three or four of our guys. But, again, you know, people from all different – you know, tours and uh, golf organizations. In the PGA but, of America, we use local chapters and folks like that. The PGA Tour does not run a major. Okay. How the how are you adjusting to the new rules? It's it's different. It's yeah. different. Uh, I mean, as a team, you know, when we're all working together, we we talk a lot more on the radio now. It's 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 different. I used to know? do the four day workshops, <laughs> USGA PGA. And uh, I was actually signed up to go last year, and I knew I was leaving. I was like, Biff, you can go ahead and take me off that rule seminar because I don't need to know. Yeah. I do need to know. But I think, I, wanna... the, I think the USGA did a good thing, but it's, yeah. it's, it's hard. When, when, you've, when you've called casual water casual water all your life, and now all of a sudden it's temporary water, it's, it's difficult. Right. Water hazards, you know, penalty areas, it's, right, it's right. different. I want to ask Bill, I've always heard that the Heritage is a kind of a relaxing week off after – the Masters. Have you ever done that swing, the Masters to the Heritage? I've played it. I think I've played all the Heritages that I've been on, on tour. Is that more laid back than normal weeks or no? Normal work week? Maybe it feels that way. If you're in the Masters, you know, they're not everyone at Hilton Head was in the Masters. Right. Uh, but, yes, if you just played the Masters, maybe played well in a major, then you would be probably feel 
tired from that or worn out. But right. and Hilton Head certainly has a more relaxed feel. It's right there by the marina. Um, it's, it's a big party. But the flip side of that could be with you as a quote local, right? You could have more family obligations or more things to be involved with off off the golf course that week as well. I would assume. I've always enjoyed Hilton Head. I mean, I think yeah, usually maybe rent a, rent a house and have the whole family down there, and uh, but that is maybe the relaxing side of it as you feel comfortable. And um, I've never really felt like a. I've only played uh, eight Masters, but I've never felt like a Masters hangover. But I also okay. haven't been in the in the lead or near the lead on Sunday. Which I think is what's demanding of you, right. um, you know. In thirtieth place on Sunday, you're just enjoying being at the Masters. Right. You're not really. Sure. I mean, you have the feelings of making a three footer and those feelings, but not of, uh, you know, those Nothing. guys hitting in the water at twelve last year when it seemed like. I mean, that was everything. That one shot and right. those guys are probably pretty worn out till, um, till Thursday. But then Molinari, I think, played. Was this last year he hit in the water? And I think he played and maybe shot 63 or on Thursday or something. Or Those numbers might be a little off, but right. he certainly didn't seem tired or, or okay. whatever. Yeah, but yeah. he was fine. And uh, But Hilton Heads a, is a great golf course and very difficult. And uh, I think once you start on Thursday or maybe like once you get to the weekend, uh, I don't think those guys coming down the stretch are relaxed. You know, they're, they're in the tournament and wanting to win uh, just like they were at Augusta. Is he, it different? Do you travel with the whole family now, or just you? It depends. In the summertime, the kids are. I got a six, four, and two year old, and so six year old being in you know big kid elementary school, sure. he can't travel you know during the school year. So, um, but this will be the first. This summer we'll see how much how much they'll be able to go. But until that, yeah, they until this past year and a half they travel pretty much every week. What's your favorite stop? Uh, I've always enjoyed Hilton Head. I mean, I always kind of joked that that's the tournament's the reason I'm alive. You know, that was where they met. met and so, <laughs> oh, that's I mean, a literal comment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, so that's I've, a life-changing <laughs> event. Yeah. Uh, I've always enjoyed, they've treated me well. The Again, bringing the whole family, renting a house, staying right there in Sea Pines. Uh, it's just a fun week. And um, But then Augusta, the tournament there is, was amazing to play in when I did play. I've always enjoyed Riviera in L.A. Um but they're they're all so good in their own way, you know. And Colonial and Fort Worth, I like Fort Worth a lot. And any setups that you just love when you get there, you know, you feel super comfortable. I just this is gonna, this one's going to work for me. I've played well at the Bob Hope in, in the desert. I've, and desert golf is is usually fun. Okay. It's um, more birdies, the turf, and the, it's overseeded Bermuda and for ryegrass, and it's the best surface to play on. So you of. like that. I do like that. I mean, they okay. mow it down perfect, and you don't really get a bad lie unless it's <clears throat> unless it's uh, been wet and got mud or anything like that. But we got to get him down to Charlie's place sooner than later. You know, if we can, can talk a little bit about uh, golf course superintendents and, and conditions of the golf course. Back in the uh, when I first started, '77 was my first year, and I want to say around '80 or '81, uh, La Quinta Country Club there in the desert, the Bob Hope was the first course that we'd ever seen that had Bermuda grass and then it was overseeded. And prior to that, everything in the desert was bent grass and they were chewed up. You know, you had celebrities. Uh, I remember a guy named Foster Brooks. I don't know if you remember that the comedian? name. Yeah, the comedian. Big he fan was of him. Huge fan. He, he acted like he was drunk right, all the time. Right, yeah. And he wore cowboy boots with spikes in them. So you can imagine he's stumbling around and the greens are just chewed like you cannot even believe. 
But all that being said, now we go to this La Quinta Country Club that next year when they changed over the greens, and it was like the difference between normal TV and HD. I mean, it was so good. The greens were so good. Uh, never seen anything like it. And they're basically the same today. You know, that's what everybody has gone to out there. And so that was a uh, an amazing change of Bermuda grass and that. Uh, uh, a climate where you had to overseed, you know, they had some frost and stuff like that. But uh, we'd never seen anything like that prior to it, you know. Uh, Did you have any challenges? Because cool. I assume everything in Illinois growing up would have been cool season, your bents and things they like that. They were bent, and, and, but then see, St. Louis area has unbelievable humidity, <coughs> and so, uh, you, you know, had there was some poan in there, they would burn out, and uh, you couldn't really do Bermuda in the fairways because of winter kill and, you know, you'd have huge bare spots and all that stuff. So uh, zoysia grass came into vogue uh, probably when I was maybe in my late teens or 20s or something like that. People had never seen anything like that, uh, but that seemed to be a little more immune to the winter kill and everything. So zoysia, it's just, uh, that was a godsend for that area, you know, the belt or whatever, Washington, D.C., that area where it's maybe too cool for uh, Bermuda in the fairways, but too hot for uh, for bent grass. We call that the transition zone. It's right. actually a fifth region on, if you look at an agronomic map of the north, south, east, west, and then there's this big loop. The transition I knew that. Zone. I just wanted to see if you did. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah, yeah no, right. I appreciate you testing me on that. <laughs> but so when you came to play at Wake, I would assume it was different. Oh, Bermuda grass, I'd never seen. So. You know, there they had Bermuda in the fairways, but they had bent and still do at Old Town. Uh, is that where you play? Yeah, this right butts up against Wake Forest University, so very cool place. Nice. You uh, played there too. That's, that's where that's, team practice. Yeah. That's where we practice. Yeah. It's right there next to campus, and it's one of the best courses in North Carolina. Easy, I think. Isn't that a special in, place? Yeah. yeah. Golly, I got a good buddy. Did you ever get to know O'Neill Crouch? That name ring a bell or whatever. He was a superintendent there. Followed his father. Um, who was his father? Was at Augusta Country Club before Old Town. Okay. So okay. anyhow. I've had the chance to play there a number of yeah. times. I love it. Very cool. I didn't mean to get off the rails there, but no, that was uh, no. That's, uh, that's what we're here for. Talking about the bottom. Talk about something our folks. Will oh, I did want to talk about. See, at Willow Creek, they're going to be expecting HD now. Yeah. <laughs> did you paint? I did. Liquid overseed now. Yep. Liquid overseed. I like it. You look so much happier now. Oh, that is amazing. The the paint, the color, it looks perfect. It used to be kind of like you could tell for sure that they were painted yeah. but now i mean it is had a blue hue to it yeah for the something time. wasn't quite right mm -hmm. but uh where did we play did they paint them at at sea pines uh down there would they have painted those greens for the tournament sea island? yes sea, sea islands island. i sea island yeah i'm sorry if they're uh, bermuda right now they probably did put some phoenix country club for the <laughs> for the tour championship out there the schwab cup uh they painted there, and you could bet me they painted them. It That's was, what they're doing at Riverside amazing. right now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. They're pigment over at Riverside. Those greens are amazing. Yeah, we played there three weeks ago, and those greens were excellent. Yeah. That's that's Ooh. what you got, right? Ooh. Oh, no. They, did they go with Eagle? They got champion. They went with champion. They got tipped Eagle. But, Bill, do you have any good Craig Harris stories for us? That's an old roommate of mine. Craig I and I were really? roommates in Florence, yes, sir. And, uh Good, good friend. And I, you play a lot at Chanticleer, don't you? I do. Um, I really don't have any great stories other than I've really gotten, I really enjoyed getting to know him and just talking to him about the two different courses. And yeah. he's done such a good job with Chanticleer and Bentgrass. There's not much 
bent grass around here that has done as well as say Chanticleer or Thornblade. Right. Uh, those two seem to have done very well. Um, but then he's helped with the adjustment, you know, going over there and has really made Riverside yeah. very good with, with the Bermuda. And, and now I know there's a lot of members and, um, and I don't know, I'm not going to speak for Craig, but I think he would like, you know, more Bermuda. I think he's yeah enjoyed that. But uh, selfishly, I like both surfaces. And when it's right. good right now, bent is, is really good. And um, if I'm going to play a, a bent, you know, course tournament, it's nice to have that to practice on in my backyard. And he has them in good shape. I mean, he's... They're in perfect shape. Right. And uh, But I know they're 20 years old or so or older. Right. And so I think they're in need of a of an adjustment soon anyway. You guys would have to do some work to put Bermuda out at Chanticleer, though. There's some slopes there. A lot of trees, too. Well, that, and I just think of the green at 12, if that was Bermuda in the winter, with nothing to slow them down, right? I mean, 16 would be tough. Yeah, I mean, there'd be, guys, a couple of those. there'd be guys putting it all the way down the fairway on 12. But Not for Dillard. I mean, you, you had the, the, the low score there for yeah. a long time. What? Charles, Course Charles record? Warren. And Charles Warren beat me. You guys definitely need to play in the USGA four ball. Yes, you do. The two reinstated. Get another article written about you guys. Oh, that would be wonderful. That's all you need. It was, yeah. Um, what about you and Thornblade? I mean, there is the Haas tees, the back set of tees are the Haas tees. I've played them. Yeah. With Charles. We just had our, wearing a Thornblade shirt now, had our state amateur there right. last year. And you host, every year you get back to the Junior Golf Association the Blade Junior Golf Tournament. The Blade has really uh, blossomed. Uh, the membership there at Thorn Blade uh, got a great board. Uh, people that have run that event, I get a lot more credit than I deserve. Uh, the, the Junior Golf Association or South Carolina Junior Golf Association has been amazing. They have built it up. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about Hap earlier. He's amazing. Biff, uh, all the guys there in the office do an amazing job. But you know the junior golf it's great to travel around the country and everything but there's plenty of competition right here at home and i think you know you think about bill and his vintage uh, lucas and charles and uh, kyle thompson you know guys like that and then we have the jay haas award uh, every year and these kids are uh, you know nationally ranked junior players that have gone on to clemson and south carolina and georgia and some really top top-notch players and i think that speaks to uh, the opportunity the tournaments the great fields that they play against uh, week in and week out uh, here in south carolina but uh, the blade has uh, become one of the best junior tournaments and i get people that a lot of my uh, buddies uh, on tour they say hey how can i get my son or grandson or whoever it might be I said, well, you got to live in South Carolina for one thing. Oh, how but, good is that? Uh, <laughs> how good is that? But it's, it's funny like how that. they know about it. You yeah. know, it's, uh, they, they definitely have heard about the Blade, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty cool event. Well, Which, in 08, I remember helping draft the – it ended up being almost a five-page article in Golf Digest where the SCJGA was ranked the number one junior golf program in the country. Um, that's where I first met Bill was at the Blade at the dinner one night where you always speak. I had a guest, and, right. and I think you were on Nationwide Tour at the time. Did you grow up in the house there? Is that the house you grew up in? It is. We moved there when I was sixth grade, there. but we were in a rental house while it was being built and everything. But middle school, from middle school on, you know, we've been at Thornblade. Did you choose a par three on purpose so that your house would not get hit? <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, it was funny that when Thornblade was being built, it we started, we broke ground and didn't own that those 50 acres over there that number six and seven are on. We, we the were, club that yeah, yeah, the, the, did the hosses? No. Oh, okay. And, I didn't know and, this is where we were and going. And so it was maybe being, you know, talked about or under contract maybe or something, but we didn't officially own that. And I think they had tentatively, Tom Fazio had tentatively designed a couple holes to go in over there. And there was a home, the guy who owned those 50 acres was Judge Roper. I didn't know who he was or anything like that, but his house is right basically where our ours is now. Okay. And he owned those 50 acres and his little pond and everything. Uh, and so that was, uh, it just looked like where I wanted to build a house. Because we were kind of busting at the seams at the time. Uh, we Jan was pregnant with our fifth, and we had a three-bedroom house. And it was just, we needed uh, we needed more space. And it, we were at Green Valley, loved being in Green Valley. I love that place and it's just the whole pace and everything. But uh, we uh, we just needed a bigger, I've bigger house. That hole. I love I birdied that hole. Something cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that's one of my favorite holes. Out just there. went through a bunker <laughs> renovation this year. Oh, yeah, it's really uh, they really did a great job. Tom Marzoff, who's uh, Tom Fazio, is one of his uh, main guys. Uh, he's a member at Thornblade, and so he kind of oversaw the uh, the bunker renovation. I think they did a really nice job. Tom's one of the few architects who's also a member of our association. He actually has come and spoke at our cool. meeting before yeah. with his ties around the area, and he's and he, a great guy. He built Thornblade, basically. He was the main guy uh, as Tom Fazio was traveling around. Tom Marzoff was there almost every day. And it's almost been like his baby, right? It I mean, kind of has been, been yeah. back all the time with Randy because right. Randy's been there the whole time has he, he has been yeah there was a guy uh, what I think they called him a uh, the grow-in superintendent maybe just to kind of get things going but that's kind of what he did he wasn't necessarily a, a detail guy I couldn't tell you his name at the time I think Tom the Fazio group had provided him and then uh, Randy uh, I don't know if he came from Green Valley he did right then uh, and it's been he's been unbelievable for us and uh did a, has done a great job and really uh, you can tell the pride that he has as you know all everybody all you guys do you oh know, yeah in, in your work and i think that's uh that's so important you've had some good teams out there at that club so did you in any of your groups ever um try and hit his cherokee with golf balls as he rode around for years in that thing no, I know I, there were some I, groups that they would drop what they were doing, and they would drop three balls and try and hit punch shots at the right, Cherokee. Right? No, I don't think I've ever done that. Although I, there's times the when kid you want me to. though, if I see a range picker out there, I'm going to fire at it. <laughs> I, I don't care, and I encourage all the juniors to and yeah. make it make oh, it fun. Great. You know, make the thing uh, make it fun. I'm sure Bill, I taught him the same way. You know, fire at it if he's out there. So is, is it better to hit a cut into the ball machine, or is it better to hit a low hook into it? Well, I think it's you know just like a pin back. Right, you hit a cut. Depends on which know. way he's coming. If he's, if he's, oh. Yeah, if he, you got to you got to ride with him. You got to lead him. We're going to lead him a little bit. <laughs> I want to mention that nobody would know when I worked there that they would have evacuation houses if weather came up during the blade. And Jay's house was always an evacuation I spot. I missed that year. Right? I know. I heard. I, right. And Jan was in there making sandwiches for the kids. Right, right. And stuck in the house. I thought and the siren cool. blew, I guess, to go back to play, and <laughs> nobody wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but something you just said. I Did gotta, you lose any baseball cards that day that get into your room? <laughs> no telling. Yeah. yeah. You just said something that triggered it, and I'm going to go a little rules of golf nerd, and Dillard might not agree with me on this. What, what, when you stand on number one tee box, about to tee off, and they give you a sheet of paper. Let's show you where the flags are. What do you call that? 
pin sheet. Right. Mm. What do you, what do you call, call it? it? Whole location sheet. My man. What, what do you call it? Pin sheet. It's definitely a whole location sheet. Can you yeah. tell them the humor behind that, please? Or do we well, need to tell a half story? It's not a pin. It's, it's a whole location sheet. <laughs> the Correct. word pin is not in the USGA rule book anywhere. Uh, apparently, right. unless you tuck like one in. On, on, right. on the telecast, the announcers talk about the whole location. You can't see the, they can't say the pin is in the back left or the flag is in the back left. It's the whole Alan's been on a kick for location. a year getting it straightened out. He texts them yeah. every time he hears what about What do you call a, a driver? Is that a wood or a metal wood? wood. Call a driver. Yeah. yeah. You don't call it a wood? No. What kind of woods do you have? I yes. started what playing. What kind of metal woods do you have? Is that what you say? The Great Big Bertha. That's like cold beer versus beard. You say beer, cold beer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just a flag stick and hole location. And I've got a couple supers who I go around and around with. And I, I was hoping Diller was on my side. But the PGA Tour on their Twitter, they call it a pin sheet. Well, hit them with cup liners while you're at it. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. All what's, right, go ahead. What's your stance on cup it's liners? Like a fairway wood. No cup liners. Exactly. They're not allowed in your events, correct? No. Because they're illegal? Well, they are if they're at the top. You have to be an inch and a half, I believe. Do you know what we're talking about, the plastic cup yes. liners? Yes. Size of Do y'all use those? Whatever right. that is. Right. Oh, you own a golf center. you got to know no. what they are. <laughs> yeah. That was a no, dumb question for the day, wasn't and, it? And I think they're okay. Uh, for everyday play, certainly right. at a place where you got sandy soil and it breaks, you know, the edges yeah. are going to break down a lot quicker. But, you know, on the PGA Tour, you're changing the cup every day and, you know, it grooms so well and everything that I don't think that's uh, that's really a, an issue. But that, that little segment was for Jim Huntoon at the Myrtle Beach who has cup liners and we go back and forth on pin positions, whole location. Right. So, uh, Do you have a favorite course anywhere out there in terms of maintenance that you play? Where you're like, oh, this one really stands out. Or yeah, when you get to that level, it's incredible how all... good they all are now. It's just amazing how much progress has been made in that regard. As I said, said earlier about the Bob Hope, uh, the Greens, you know, there's so much uh, more knowledge about how to take care of grass and how to groom it and what's best and the mowers. I mean, it, it's just if I look back on 40 years ago about how fast greens were if they were like 10 that was like oh my god this, these are so quick don't get above these cups and now it's more 12 13 14 and that's a huge huge difference but the uh the maintenance uh, what has been done over time i mean you just come to every course now and you go wow how about these greens they are amazing they're so good the fairways are so good right. if you get the proper weather and you know growth and uh, overseed all that stuff uh, it, it's just incredible how good everything is my first run of 14 and 15 was up at blowing rock and i had three different holes where i was no more than six or eight feet above the hole one of them ended up in a bunker one of them ended up in a pond and the other one ended up in the middle of the fairway it, it just blows me away I mean, there's nothing you can do at that level yeah. that speed it's just crazy to me i don't see how you guys can do it well let me flip it or what about you same question any thing that stands out out there any place where it's like wow. i think not not really anything stands out just because on tour these guys i we think we say it almost every week how good is this place and usually we're comparing it annually like i oh, remember last year it wasn't didn't do as well or uh, like houston they oversee there and try to make it just like augusta and they've changed their date now it's not the same this year it was all bermuda but in the past they would oversee and it was I mean, you can't imagine the surfaces, how good they are. And Which is why Wells stays in May, so you still get the ryegrass and the overseed versus right. playing it in Bermuda in the summer. Exactly. I and, gotcha. Um, but they're in, both are good. I mean, a really good Bermuda in the south is, is really good. 
but overseed, you know, in the wintertime is, is pretty nice. Well, here's a quick plug for everybody then. Another thank you to the Haases. We'll, we'll ring the bell. They're like, what the hell is he talking about now? Um, I think it's a testament to the progress that's been made in our industry in the last 30 to 40 years, not only from the equipment standpoint, because you couldn't have maintained turf any lower than you were doing 40 years ago right. with what was available, but to now take it under a centimeter of height of cut, you know, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.75, some unheard of things in terms of grasses. It's not only that, but the research that has gone on to it at the end of in, the university level and so that's where I want to say thank you to you guys because a couple years ago you recorded a rounds for research video you may or may not recall that right but that's something that we started here in the Carolinas <clears throat> and what we were doing is taking tea times from all of our member facilities around the Carolinas selling in an online auction and giving that money to Clemson right. and NC State for turf research well I mean our little chapter one of 96 out of the nation of GCSA chapters in the last 10 years we've given away four hundred thousand dollars to Clemson and NC State for turf research so I think it all fuels back into the comments that you guys are just saying now. And so um, they did a video for you, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. pretty much thanking them and giving them a plug for rounds for research. So it'll be going on again this year if y'all want to bid. But um, <clears throat> that yeah. program is now in 56 chapters around the country. So hopefully it'll become a million, a $2 million a year annual program to continue so that you guys will have those surfaces. But let's take it in an opposite direction. And maybe this is a touchy one. And if it gets cut, this is a good time. Break, pause, Alan can cut it. Um, let's go worst conditions you've ever seen. And I've got one in mind that you may can talk about, but before I bring it up, as a rules official, when you get there, forget Bland's job and everybody else ahead of time, and you got challenges, let's say, or conditions aren't quite right. Can you recall one in recent history that stands out? Well, the one that stands out to me the most is uh, was a tournament <clears throat> called the 84 Lumber. And uh, the the greens were such that uh, there was probably about six greens where the whole location was in about a four foot radius for four days. Mm. Wow! Uh, and and it's you know you hate to put blame on anybody, but that tournament, you know, it was a new tournament, and it was in in the mountains and. and Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh area, and uh, probably a little bit of a bad time of a year, but uh, that could have been one of the worst ones that 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 comes to my mind, you know, right at the moment. How about you, Bill? Um, the two that I can think of is one from where, where we always have perfect, which is Quail Hollow Golf Club, but then that one year they were really bad, and they would tell you that too. I mean, they just... That's where I'm going with. I was curious how that got handled on y'all's side. We've all seen it on our side, and yeah. we can tell you our version of it. But the Ch and Chambers Bay as well, U.S. Open. Those were those were worse than Quail in certain holes. We'll no see, grass. Well, see, I advanced that tournament at Quail, so I kind of <laughs> forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that one's on you, bud. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's get your version of it then. Oh, you weren't there then. You advanced no, I, it. So I, I, I was coming. there, and uh, the tenth green got resodded. Okay. On Thursday of Advance Week. Wow. And Advance Week for everybody is it's the, the week, week before you play. The week before I play. So on Thursday before the tournament, <clears throat> got started the next week. And we actually played that green, the eighth green, as temporary greens. And then the Wednesday Pro-Am did not play on them. Wow. We cut a hole in the fairway. Yeah. 
It so was, that's how y'all handled it from the agronomy side from the PGA Tour. It was a tough week. And then the players, what did you hear? Just did they give you messaging coming into it? Of yeah, every day they definitely let you know that it. There's been some challenges. How did the, are they politically I mean, correct they just, about yeah, it? Yeah, due to whether it was weather or uh, an accident or whatever, or disease in the grass. I mean, it is what it is, and I think we're spoiled. Like we saw about how good everything is every week, and. Um, it's still a tour event going on. There was still a purse to be played for, and somebody won that week, and they don't remember how bad the greens were. You know, I can promise you that. <laughs> they rolled them real well. They rolled they? great. Um, I played with Sergio that week one day on number – it's now number two, but it used to be the old third hole. He was above the hole about four feet, and he chipped it um, and made it. It was an unbelievable <laughs> chip. But he, he's just like, hey, I did it so easy. And it was going to, you know, plinko down there. And he's like, well, I'm just going to chip it over that hole. And plinko, he, my favorite yeah. word. Bill, <laughs> Bill cut the spade in the podcast. Plinko has now been used. I love it. What, Bill, what do you think about the Pro-Am, the new way to do Pro-Ams? Nine holes. Nine holes. It's not every week. It's okay. just, I think they do, if, there's a, if it's a five-some, so four amateurs in a pro, they try to do nine and nine to where you'd play nine holes in the morning and then you'd have a pro jump in with that same group. The amateurs are still playing all 18. Right. We would play nine. And Do you like that um, yourself? As a yeah, I don't mind either one of them. I, I usually enjoy pro-ams, you know, meeting people, and you generally get a good group of guys, whether they're good or bad at golf. They're typically happy to be there, and it's yeah. a fun day of golf. But um, nine holes also is, is fun, and I think it's good for the – I would think that an amateur, a group of amateurs, would like to meet two pros. And right. nine holes, if it's two and a half hour rounds, two and a, five hour rounds, two and a half each nine, that's plenty of time to meet someone and ask them what you want to ask them. Or, sure. um, and you get to meet two, you know, hopefully two pros. And um, I think the argument to that would be some guys get Tiger Woods, say, for nine holes, and then all of a sudden he's not, you know. Right. Then you get, you know whoever on the back nine well but said but, whoever but typically yeah. <laughs> i think typically they try to those like tigers that back up is roy mcelroy you know like it and maybe that goes to the highest bidder yeah. or the that's got to be the big sponsors the yeah top the three top tiers sponsors or, and you get those kind of guys but um do you I, um do you enjoy the when you allow somebody a lot of times you'll sell for charity auctions where they can carry your bag for like those nine holes or those 18 holes is that like a good day off for your caddy or is but he still out there working? I think typically he still goes out there and uh, helps either to caddy or um, does his work on the greens. Or Does it you know, bother you having those guys out there? Are they pestering you all the time, or does it work out where it's normally it's okay? Normally it's fine, yeah. Normally nice. it's um, they're having fun. and I mean, I don't think you make it. And sometimes the caddy may even after nine holes, the caddy be like, hey, I'll carry the bag if you just want to walk with us. And yeah. it's just basically an inside the ropes view of I a practice round and yeah no it's it's a it's a cool opportunity for somebody to to be in there and usually a practice round will be even better than a pro-am because then maybe you get to hang with the some other players and and sure. stuff like that so if i was me and if i'm bidding on that i would want the tuesday maybe not the wednesday just so you could play a practice round sure dillard right. you don't officiate <coughs> pro-am do you oh uh, we set up Okay. You know, so we pick the hole locations and that kind of thing, which are generally in the middle of the green. Uh, but we, why we, are you laughing, Alan? I played <laughs> one of those things, and I can appreciate that setup. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's a pace of play thing. He's trying and to do it. Get it is, and uh, and we do drive around just to make sure that the the groups are in order. Yeah. Try to try yeah. the best we can. All right, well, we got to get back around to Jay. Yeah. Uh, All right, I got a quick pro am story oh, about yeah. the nine holes and 
who you, who you get to play with and all that. This is way back when we used to play the Atlantic Classic at Atlantic Country Club. And Davis Love grew up in that area, and you know this is probably in the early '90s, say. And on Tuesday, you know the pairings of the pro am has already been out, and Davis is at uh, you know seven ten. Well, it turns out he can't. He makes a call. He's got something going on. He can get there Wednesday afternoon, but he can't make his seven ten tea time. So now Dillard or whoever it might be, a rules official rides around. Uh, guys are playing practice rounds, you know, to try to find a guy who's in the afternoon pairings to switch. Uh, and so they find this guy, Doug Martin. Doug played the tour for about 10 or 12 years, was a heck of a player. Uh, he's now a college golf coach at uh, Louisville, maybe, or somewhere around there. And so they get Doug Martin to switch. Yeah, he's afternoon time. You'd much rather be in the morning, so it's a bonus for him. And so now the next morning, the sun's just coming up, and there's Doug a do everywhere on the course, and there's Doug hitting balls, and there's a guy, an amateur right behind him and a guy right in front of him. Nobody's saying anything. And so one of the amateurs pipes up and says, Hey, Joe, uh, who you got? And he goes, I got, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jay Haas, whatever. And the other guy goes, uh, Billy, who you got? He goes, well, he says, I got... And he goes, what happened? He goes, well, I was supposed to have Davis Love, and now I got Doug and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug's just right there. And so Doug turns around and goes, hey, how you doing, Doug Martin? <laughs> and so Doug says that this guy never left his side the rest of the day. <laughs> He'd hit a shot, great shot, Doug, one wonderful shot. Tell me about your kids. You know, he just basically shadowed him the whole way. <laughs> I just think that's one of the best stories ever. Oh, that is great. That is a good one. Oh, my gosh. I do want to hit, and I mean, it's out there, it's publicized as Golf Digest, but Friend, friend of my family's and your neighbor at the beach, Cleve McCleary. Right. Uh, do you mind sharing that story about how you got Cleve to Augusta and, and what transpired? Yeah, we met Cleve. Uh, we've had our beach house down at Prince George now, maybe 12 years or so. And uh, Cleve is larger in life, uh, larger than life, as everybody knows. And we got to know each other a little bit. Not great, but he would just pop in every now and then. And uh, this one day, he was he had a couple books he's written a few books his wife has written a book or two and so he brought some up and we were just talking and just out of the blue he says you know because uh, he wasn't quite sure what I did you know and he can really make a living playing golf you know he was just a little <laughs> confused about all that but he says you know a golfer saved my life and so he goes on to tell the story he was wounded in Vietnam and they flew their uh, most critical cases to Japan. The hospitals were better there. And so he was in Japan and uh, he, he was not well. He lost his left arm, his left eye, uh, you know, just ready to die basically. And in the meantime, he's, he is engaged to his beautiful um, beauty queen wife. And he says, he's thinking to himself, she's not gonna want me half a man and all this different stuff. He just wants to die. So he says this golfer was over there and came up to him and said, uh, son, uh, God has a plan for you and spoke to him a little bit. And so right then, Cleve just says, you know what, I'm going to fight and get better and all this. And so he says to me, do you know Billy Casper? And just the kind of hair stood up on the back of my neck. Well, you know, backtrack to when Billy used to go over to Japan to play in the off season. 
and he would go see the troops and different and the hospitals and things like that. So that's how he met this guy that he didn't know. Klebe didn't know who Billy Casper never hit a golf ball in his life. But you know, Billy had just said, now, what about that young man over there? He says, oh, don't worry about him. He's about gone. And so, but he went over to his bed and kind of laying down and whispered in his ear, you know, God has a plan for you, something to that effect. So that kind of, obviously it was a life changer for Klebe. And so he came back, he got better, all that stuff. And so now fast forward to uh, 30 plus years later or more, let's see, that was probably in uh, 69 or 70, somewhere in there. So 40 years later, 40 some years later. Uh, and so my Uncle Bob, Billy's a, a Casper was a former winner at Augusta and he would go to the champions dinner all the time. And my Uncle Bob, you know, and I spoke to Bob and could we make this happen that we can meet, uh, you know, Cleve could meet Billy and thank him or whatever. He just had never spoken to him again. So it worked out on a Tuesday and Monday it was supposed to happen. It got rained out. Tuesday he came, Cleve came back with a friend. And so Bob got Billy to come down there. And I'll never forget it. Uh, they, I kind of brought Billy over to Cleve, was right by the ropes there. And Cleve put his right arm around Billy and hugged him and started sobbing uncontrollably, shaking physically. Uh, and Billy hugged him and I guess whispered in his ear, you, you hang on as long as you need to or something to that effect. And it, they hugged for what seemed like 10 minutes. It was probably a minute, but it was an unbelievable scene. And it was almost like putting oil in water. I mean, it was just, everyone just separated. There was a, there was a circle, an opening around him. It was just the two of them. And everybody was just watching this whole scene. And so in the meantime, uh, this guy, Jim McCabe, who's a writer for the Boston Globe, he was right there. And he looked at me, he, I know him very well. He says, what's going on? So I gave him a quick synopsis of this story and how it all played out. And so he went up, he talked to Billy, he talked to Klebe, and he wrote a story that he won an award for. Wow. And if you look at Jim McCabe, uh, Klebe McClary, look up that, Google that or whatever. Uh, it's a great, great article that he wrote and probably the, one of the coolest things that I've ever been involved with in, in my career uh, that has something to do with golf. But uh, it was um, Billy's family was there. They were crying. Uh, his wife, Shirley, uh, the, the kids. Uh, it was just a, an incredible scene. And it was, uh, you know, Cleve still talks about it. And uh, Billy's gone now, but it was uh, it was pretty pretty awesome. That's an amazing story. Yeah, he's got a kind of a gruff reputation, you know. Billy did he not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Billy was very quiet. Around, uh, yeah, you know, but it was kind of a military background. <laughs> Excuse almost, me, you could see, but he uh, yeah he was a pretty quiet guy, uh, but probably <clears throat> the most underrated player in the history of the game. Wow, he has I think fifty one tournament wins, sure. maybe the fourth most, something like wow. that ever fifth most of in the history yeah. <laughs> you know he uh he was a hell of a player but wow. uh, but a, i think he got eight or nine kids maybe four of them adopted um just was a very very nice man and hmm. impactful in many lives 
Do you need to adopt a couple more grandkids? Yeah, you know we're, we were, we're in Powersville. Jan, <laughs> I'd love to bring them over. Jan and I were just sitting there last night. We were watching this program, and this little baby, you know, mom was in a newborn, and she just looks at me. She goes, "I could have another right now." Uh, yeah. No, she she just she loves the little infants and in uh, all at all ages, but the, the helpless infant is her forte. She's uh, she's amazing. Well, you guys, you're all about giving back. I think the first time we met your family, the whole family was at the Greenville Golf Ball in 01 or 02, maybe, 03. I think you were the honorary chairman the first year, and then Champ Covington, old champ, right. before he passed, and then right. Fazio those three years. But your girls came and sold raffle tickets and yeah. walked around with the puppies. Right, and right. That was Fran. She's huh. uh, she's back here now. She's yeah. got her own... Over at the Hyatt. And, I think yeah. we were at the Hyatt. At the Hyatt, exactly, yeah. yeah. That was back... We did three Greenville golf balls right. back when we worked right. there. The one yeah. in Columbia is still going on. Is that right? What, did we just have 15th annual? Yeah, and I think they're going to revive the Greenville one. No, it would have been 20th annual. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it was 2000 2001. The Tiger Golf Gathering just had its 15th that we started. You've been coming back to a number of yeah. those. Yeah. We, the first one of those was in 03 when they won the rings. I think was the first year. Yeah, that's why we did it. While we have him here, uh, we need to get a Ryder Cup story out of Mr. Haas. Ooh. You got a good Ryder Cup story to share? Mm, golly, uh, you know I played with. Uh, this is kind of about me. <laughs> good, uh, but I was paired with Tom Watts in my first Ryder Cup, 1983, and Tom was the man. You know, he was like playing with Tiger basically, and I was just. Uh, very green and it was my fifth year on tour sixth year on tour but i was a first time rider cuppers it was pga national and jack was the captain uh, no one came i'm telling you it looked like a uh, it looked like a monday outing pro-am i mean there was ten thousand people total for the week maybe wow. it was there was if you look at ever any kind of video of that it's hard to find a spectator on the video <laughs> but we were paired the, the the players obviously were excited right but uh tom chipped in twice which is was the norm back then it seemed like every day he chipped in or made two three 40 footers he was incredible uh, but we got to 17 and we were playing Woosnam and Langer I think uh, who were kind of young and at that time as well and uh, we were two up and I'd hit one in pretty close about 10 feet and Tom missed the green or something you know he was such a chop but uh, and I want to say Bernhard was maybe 20 feet and I'm thinking, we're two up. You know, I just need to lag this one up, uh, game over. And Tom came over to me, and he says, he's going to make this putt, so be ready. And sure enough, he made this 20-footer. And I'm not saying I would have missed the putt, <laughs> but it changed my whole outlook. Uh, you know, you always have to be ready. With anything can happen in match play and all that. But I, was, I just knew he was going to make it after Tom said that. And sure enough, he made this putt. And then I somehow shook mine in, and we won two and one. But uh, I'll just never forget him saying that uh, like it was yesterday. Uh, but, you know, that's the veteran taking care of the greenhorn. And right. uh, I was lucky enough to, to have contributed uh, to that match there. Were you able to do that for any youngsters when you were the captain? Uh, you know, I played with uh, – uh, when I was a captain, not really. You know, the captain to me, that role is uh, – I won't say it's ceremonial, but 
the guys are so good. And obviously the 12 players that are on that team, they're the 12 best in that time frame. And so they're 12 CEOs, basically. They they don't take direction well. <laughs> you know, I mean... You the put, toughest job Phil Jackson ever had. Right. The the What they do, what the, the uh, all-star team coach does, or somebody like Phil Jackson who coaches all these great players, but... There's no strategy in golf, you know, play play better than your opponent, kind of, you know. There's no nothing like, well, birdie all the par fives, you know, or, or <laughs> go for 16 and two, you know. The player, again, they're, they're so good. I think the, the captain's job is to maybe put people together who want to play together. So you do control the pairings. We do the co- control the pairings. The hardest thing I think that I had to deal with was sitting players out. That was the first year that we had um, player two players sat out on Thursday, two play, sat out on Saturday, Friday, four on Saturday morning, four on Saturday afternoon. That was the first year that happened. It used to be all six, all twelve players played on Thursday and Friday, and then only two sat out Saturday morning, two Saturday Saturday afternoon. Um, and that is the hardest thing to do to look at a guy and say you're. We're not playing you. At that point, it's a we're not playing you. Yeah. Everything else has been I. I've heard coming out of the we'll, captain's we'll, mouth. We'll, we're yeah. not going to play you today, well, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Who, the, who's the standing pair. with you, Jay? <laughs> Freddie, Freddie Couples. Uh, but Freddie, he couldn't find Freddie. Uh, <laughs> not I think for that speech. It, it was just hard to, you know, naturally you might, uh, one of the picks, uh, in our case we had two picks. Uh, we had Bill and it turned out to be J.B. Holmes. It was uh, Phil. And well, I guess we had three picks. It was Bill and Phil were the two picks, and then Jim Furyk uh, couldn't play. And so J.B. Holmes was kind of a third add-on. He was, uh, he was in there with the, uh, with the, in points. But we set out Bill and Chris Kirk, who Chris had been hurt for about an eight-week period in the summertime, but he had so many points that he still made the team. Uh, but we sat out you and, and so Chris. You, maybe you've the been first. uncled and sunned in yeah. your golf career. Is wow. what I'm yeah, saying that here. was that was tough to do because Bill was playing really well, and a lot of the assistants were saying, uh, you know, we had Steve Stricker, Davis Love, uh, Jim Furyk turned out to be one of the assistants, uh, Freddie, man. and they were all saying, man, Bill's playing really good. Uh, so it was that's hard to do i can talk to him yeah, yeah. yeah. bill's sitting let's go come on yeah but then it turned out in the end it was a very yeah the the ending was amazing he needed the rest he came out yeah. the hero right he came out the hero but that's a that, those team things if you play well if the team plays well they win if they don't they don't win all right it's father and son was that one of the most fulfilling moments you've shared on a golf course for me that was number 1 yeah it was I think me as well. Um, in the way that last one shook down and to be in the last match and just the embrace not only I got from my dad but my mom and the rest of the team. And um, I was a pick, and so that was a little bit um, – I don't know if it looked bad or good, but you know, some, you know, the captain picking his son, I certainly felt um, not necessarily pressure from my dad but just pressure from tr- – on the – trying to prove that I could play and could win a match and could help the team. Um, and lucky enough, it came down to that uh, that last match. And um, But, the, I mean, that's a team thing. You know, the one match certainly didn't win it. People said, oh, you won the President's <clears throat> Cup. That's not that's not the case. But 
Um, it did the way the points fell, and it came down to the twelfth match. And you couldn't have written any better. No, I mean it was um, it was fun. It was Sang Moon Bay was the guy I was playing, and he was the he's from Korea, South Korea, and so he certainly was the fan favorite right. over me. Um, but he, he, you know, luckily it just it just worked out. How about when I caddied for you at Sea Island this Recently. year? Yeah. Oh, then we play. So this year, my dad caddies for me at Sea Island. A couple. I mean, it's been a month now, but uh, we got paired with Sang Moon Bay in the first year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that might have been rigged. Uncle again. He's been uncle at least twice that we're aware. Not easy being Bill. But Moon, I call him Moon. I don't know if he likes that or not, but he's a great guy. Um, and certainly I don't think he would feel awkward. or No. I That's mean, the first time y'all played since. No, I've played with him since, but, but only not a couple of times. Bag. You know, the day after that match, he had to, he went in the military for two years. That's right. Okay. You know, just, they have. They have That's yeah. a rule of law, a law over there that he has to um, go in the military. So he served his time and then has come back out on tour and um, – but yeah, that was funny that Good we got him. paired together. Yeah. Did Dad get paid that week? I was getting ready to say, does that just save you money? Is I was like actually a Christmas present? thinking about that the other day. I was like, I paid him. I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna make this on record now. Do I need to pay you for that? <laughs> How did you finish? Middle, I make thirty fifth or so. Or, yeah. What do they typically? What are you paying now? Ten percent? Is that still? That's a win, isn't it? Or 30, I don't know how thirty percent. Thirty percent? Is that what it's up to now? Twenty? If you're related, 20, if you're related yeah. it's oh, yeah. got to be something sure. bonus there. Depends I on who you ask. So. I mean, I'm responsible in many ways for him even being there. Right? I was right. to say, how much does he owe you for the first 16, 18, 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping a tab. How nice? How cool is Fred Couples? As cool and laid back as he comes across. Well, he's a very cool guy, yes. Everybody wants to be Fred and be like Fred. Right. But he is not as laid back as he seems. He is okay. very intense. Really? Uh, gets so nervous in those team events. I mean, he is – he came to watch a lot of times. Wow. Uh, but he is uh, – oh, no, he's trying way hard. And it, it, under his breath, he's mumbling a lot of different stuff that nobody sees. And But he's, you know, always tipping his cap and – He's really an amazing player, unbelievably talented. I've never seen anybody hit as many solid shots as Fred hits. Hardly ever seen him hit one fat or neck one. He's always hitting it right in the face. Just very gifted. Billy Harmon, who's my teacher, one of my best friends, Billy says he's got a term, golfing genius, and Fred is a golfing genius. If you ask Fred, how do you hook it? He goes, well, I just hold it a little looser. <laughs> you know, kind of one of those things. So, yeah. How do you hit it high, Fred? I just look high. Wow. So that's, that's, that's just, know, natural. just a, how do you draw a circle? You know, a great artist is just, what do you mean, how do you draw? So you just draw one. <laughs> wow. Dillard, I got a couple questions for you then. I think we should give him a Tiger Woods story opportunity. What do you think? You're in charge. I'm just here. So, your boy Bland Cooper yeah. told us Sedgefield is the best buffet on tour. It's a hooded eight iron, or on Sundays it's an eight iron length. Yeah, it's normally it's a hooded fifty six degree. Correct, but on, on Sundays, Sundays it's, eight it's an eight iron. Do you agree a with bla- that? A bladed eight iron, I think. <clears throat> it's it's a great place. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite buffet on tour? <laughs> best food, any stop. 
They don't all listen. You're fine. You're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. I tell you what, we played in Bermuda this year, first time. Could have been some of the best food I've ever eaten. What hmm. did you have? Thai, Indian, Bermudanese. It was fish. It was beef. It was very normal. Uh, vegetables were unbelievable. Nice. Uh, I was shocked. Bermuda. And I'd never been there before, and I would say you need to go. Huh. Fa- fabulous place. Okay. Not that far away. Yeah. Still, Still got, got two, and a, two and a half. Oh yeah. Two need a half. passport? You do. Hey, Alan. I'm getting one. We're going. <laughs> We've got a guy in the Dominican that wants us to come record with him. And hey, we may have a sponsor for that. Beautiful place. And then I'm communicating with him on dates, and I'm like, yeah, but Big Al doesn't have a passport. Yet. Yeah. Jay, Jay's been there a bunch. Bill's been there. The Dominican's beautiful. Yeah, really, oh, really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, All right, let's start with Dillard go this way. Give me a good Tiger Woods story. Well, uh, other than the uh, whole... Yeah, you Google Dillard Pruitt, and that thing comes up about the clubhouse. Haven't we already talked about that on one of these? No. Well, it's not then. Yeah. He's not giving you the fun face. No. Let's just go with whatever story you want to go with. Do you want to talk about Duck? No, I can talk talk about that ruling. Uh, This is at Firestone. Right. It's the ninth hole. I was about four holes away. There There should have been someone. There was someone in between me, and they weren't answering the radio. Right. (laughs) Eating a donut. Yeah, eating it under the shade tree, probably taking a nap. <laughs> or do so, they hear Tiger Woods and the earpiece? No, in? no, we didn't hear that. You just hear ruling at number nine. I got you. You know, so so I I pull in there, and by the time I got there, you know, they're up there by the green, actually beyond the green. You know, the reports are the ball hit. There's a cart path behind the ninth green. It hits the cart path. They're saying that the ball's on top of the roof. TV is saying that the ball went over the roof how does tv get in touch with you uh they they have a radio they have one of our radios and so uh not that they always answer it but they were talking this okay and uh so anyway i went through the clubhouse there was a guard at the back of the clubhouse and he's you know he's on some stairs steps up above and there was a uh, food and beverage guy that was there prior. The policeman said, hey, why would you throw the go- this golf ball at me? And the policeman said, I didn't do that. And he goes, well, do you think this is Tiger's ball? It's got his name on it. And he leaves. So we used reasonable evidence that his ball was there. And so now we've got, now we're getting obstruction relief right. from, the, from the clubhouse. And then we got to a point that, that he had TIO relief from the grandstands behind the ninth green. And, you know, we were pretty lucky because we went all the way towards the, the, the first tee side. And to be honest with you, I didn't know which side was, you know, closer. Right. We were, you going, we were, we were going left. There was a lot of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do, yeah we, yeah. we were going left. There were a lot of people. One group played through. But uh, probably a couple should have played through. Yeah. But uh, but it was a it was a mess. But so the ball was never found. The ball was not found. It was but taken I, off. I, I used it. It later came back. I mean, an hour later. Really? We so. <clears throat> the, Holy cow! I'm convinced. Find that, Seth. He's got I, the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced that his ball was there simply because of the policeman. Sure. You know, yeah. Now. Because they don't lie. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Alan's a big fan of live PD. He'll tell you. Yeah, that's right. So uh, another part of the story was there were, there were a couple of players. I'm not going to mention any names. You know, they first of all, a lot of people thought that should have been out of bounds. Right. 
And there is a road behind the clubhouse. It's Warner Road. And that is out of bounds. But the ball, well, it was 15 yards right? You know, from getting to the road. Is that why y'all don't play there anymore? No, I wish we did play there. I'll tell you what. You know, we're, we were talking about conditioned golf courses, and that's one of the finest, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's money issue. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Uh, but anyway. Uh, but that was the rules of golf. It wasn't favoritism towards Tiger? No. I mean, that's wasn't. where the rules put him. That's right. Yeah. And, what uh, kind of tires you buy? Sorry. Michelin's here in Greenville. So Come on, man. I'm helping with the dirt. What are you doing, man? Oh, local. He's got to stay local. I'm trying to save a tournament. He's trying to save the local. Economy. But that was that it. was probably the most awkward. You know, and then yeah. and then later it was going into the media area where, you know, three or four of us went in there to try to explain things. Because people think the wrong things. Right. No, Do they send that. you to class for that? Do you go the to like me- a PR, media, media school and all you that know, as a rules guy? They probably should. But <laughs> So you're not schooled by the tour on how to set, just look, go mom mode. No go swearing. To- you know, oh, think yeah. about what you're saying before you say it. Act intelligent. But yeah. there's no. Just don't open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, Ignore the radio when the media calls. <laughs> Bill, you got a good Tiger story for us? Um. Not really. I've always enjoyed Tiger's always been great to me. I think through knowing my dad pretty well, he um, he certainly spoke to me. But I think he I I noticed him speaking to most rookies or most young guys in the locker room. Or he's certainly not a um, a tough guy to be around. He's actually pleasant, usually funny. And um, how about the first tee at Boston that year? Yeah, I was thinking that. What can you say on this podcast? Whatever you want to. We use a lawnmower sound if there's profanity. Yeah. Go okay. figure, right? So it's if pretty, there is one, it'll go. You'll hear when you listen to this. Yeah. It's so, a pretty so feel good free. story. Yeah. My first, I had Monday qualified for the Boston event up at TPC Boston. Um, and this, was this right when you got out of college? Like, what year is yes, this? Yes, this is 2004. Okay. So I graduated yeah. that summer, and this is later in the year. Manus is on the bag. Not at the time. Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, Joe LaCava is on the bag, who carries for Tiger now. Okay. Crazy huh. how that works. But um, he just, I threw my dad again. I'm looking for a caddy, trying to, you know, piecing together a schedule. Got some sponsor starts. And then my sponsor starts were, I'd use them all. You're only allowed seven if you're a non-member. And this would have been my ninth event. I had Mondayed somewhere else. and Or maybe my eighth. This is maybe my Monday to get in. And then I shot 64 on Saturday, which was my, the second round. That one ends on uh, Labor Day, so they have a Monday finish. Is that right? Yeah, right yeah that's that. correct. Yeah, and then so Sunday, the third round, I'm in fourth place, and then third place is Tiger behind VJ Singh, and I'm not sure who he was playing with, but we were in the second to last group, and this is like the first time I've really played well, and I have Tiger in the in the pairing, and I talked to my dad that night. He's like, "You're gonna be nervous, just enjoy it," and certainly excited, certainly nervous. Um, but also confident. Just shot 64. Feel pretty good. Opportunity to get my tour card. Um, a lot of things going on through my head. And my dad had just earned his way onto the Ryder Cup team that year at age 50 or 51. I mean, he was really playing well. You know, I'm trying to make it out there so I can maybe play a year with him, which would have been cool. 
So I'm like, well, I'll bring that up with Tiger. You know, he's on the team as well, and we're on the first tee and just, you know, shaking hands, ready to go. And I'm like, hey, Tiger, are you excited about the Ryder Cup? You know, I know my dad really is. And he looked me dead in the eyes. He goes, I could give a shit. He said, I'm just trying to beat your ass right now. <laughs> and wow. so, um, I don't know. I was put in my place, you know. But he, he um, man, it was a teaching moment. I think he was giving me a little bit of like, it was actually a compliment that he would care to even think that he has to try to beat me, uh, but also like, and he said later, he's like, "Hey, I was, I am, you know, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. We're going to, you know, we're going to win." And he's he was fired up, but he just he was saying, "I'm focused on right now," wow. and um, it was cool. And he played with, and I, and I kind of hung in there with him. I think I shot seventy or seventy one, and he I think beat me by one or two on the on the on the last hole, maybe made birdie, but. I didn't. Uh, I didn't shoot eighty. Didn't didn't choke. I I felt pretty good, and and it was a good round of golf. And it was one of the most. He is. I haven't never got to play with Jack and play with a lot of good players, uh, but he certainly the way he hit his iron shots that day and the times I have played with him, he's the best iron player I'd say I've ever seen. And obviously dr- drives it well. But there's so many good drivers of the ball now that uh, with the equipment, Dustin Johnson's, Roy McIlroy's, Tiger. Um, Hell, you're one of those, right? I mean, I'm not in that era. I mean, dis- we're talking about just distance and power and all that. They, um, they you can hammer them in a little ways, so. though. I mean, I'm when I was 23, I definitely swung. <laughs> yes. I was, I had more speed than. Not that yes. I'm old now, but I've lost some speed, and uh, I'd love to get it back if I <clears throat> if I could. Um, Apparently, you get better when you turn 50, 51. I know it. If I can I make it, your to, genetics that is. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I got. Think positively. It's, you haven't even peaked yet. <laughs> um, I hope not. Now that's uh, That'd his, be nice. I tell people all the time that I've always been impressed by my dad, but his longevity and how well he still plays is. I get more impressed every year. The more lately, when I've struggled, it's uh, it's just hard to to play at that level for that long. Yeah, no doubt. Mister Haas, any good Tiger stories? Well, I've told this one a hundred times and you may have heard it before but it always gets a chuckle i was paired with tiger at tory pines this was um around that era maybe i was 49 50 somewhere in there and i was playing pretty well this was one year at tory on sunday that tiger didn't win but we were we were both playing decent and i think i chipped in on number 10 and then we go to number 11. And if you know Torrey Pines, number 11 is a par three. They put a back tee in now. It's probably two and a quarter. And you're hitting right to the Pacific Ocean. So generally in the afternoons, it's into the wind. And I'm first up and I hit my five wood. And just, you know, I'm thinking, I think I have a three iron maybe, but I can't hit it that far into the wind and everything. So I hit this five wood and kind of hit it in the toe I remember but it was a good toe where it kind of comes back in and it fights through the wind and everything and the the green looks like a dinner plate down there you know I mean it's just not very big but I'm in the middle of the green happy as I can be and so now Tiger gets up and he I'm pretty sure it was a five iron it might have been a four but it was let's just say it was a five iron and he's gripping down on it about two inches and he hits his stinger, you know, whatever. It was the most beautiful little knockdown shot I've ever seen. Never wavered one yard left or right and lands kind of next to my ball. 
So we're walking off the tee, and I can't remember who the third in the group was, but we're he hit, and we're walking off the tee, and I just mumbled to Tiger, "Don't be looking in my bag anymore." <laughs> and he hardly missed a beat, and he said, "I did not know a wood could go that short." <laughs> and I, you know, I chuckled, and we got a good laugh out of it, but. Uh, that's that's my my tiger story and and what bill says you know i played with jack some in the 70s and 80s we actually played in 86 on saturday when he won the masters and but at the time you know he's got five kids he's got grandkids he's you know golf course design and everything so i didn't seem you know his real prime was probably early 60s to early 70s you know but obviously he had a longer career than that but uh, so I didn't see that, but uh, you know I've seen a lot of Tiger, and uh, he's amazing. You just watched him at the Ryder Cup here. I mean, at the Presidents Cup, the his iron game. What Bill just said, he's probably the best iron player he's ever seen. Maybe the best iron player that's ever lived. Uh, and he's obviously you could arguably say he's the best player that ever lived. But uh, his iron game is amazing. His strength. Uh, Putting, chipping, I mean, he covers all the bases. Has it, in your opinion, personality evolved as we've seen it through the media to where very uh, standoffish to now very open and laughable and enjoying right. himself more? Has he, has it been like that the whole time or is he always, Bill said he joked around and was nice in the locker room? I, I think to the nature. players he was different, certainly. I gotcha. Yeah, I think he, uh, he was a little wary uh, and you know when you're when you're in that when you're the best player in the world everybody's asking you about everything and so you have to be cautious of being controversial maybe oh, yeah. and you know if he didn't have to go to the press room he would love that <laughs> you know and, gotcha. and just have to go through all that but i think just with maturity you know he's it's just you the way we are you know and he's got his kids now and and maybe looks at life a little differently than he than he did in his twenties and thirties. But sounds similar to how you described yourself earlier. Oh yeah, no, a little I more think, high stress. Sure, two three decades ago, and right. now grandpa and yeah, in your twenties, I think and, everything is life and death, and got to do this right now. And uh, as you get older, you realize that it's you know certain things are more important. I always thought it was just because my dad was a colonel. That's how it was in the army, and <laughs> that now probably, he is with with kids and grandkids, and it's right. a different man, sure. you know. And so I think it's neat to see, like when Bill comes walking in with his two boys in their Clemson gear, folks. Yeah, just know it. Trevor Lawrence jersey on William, if I'm not mistaken. My man's being brought up. He right has now. not taken that off in the no, last four days. He's always had it on for three days. Right? Yeah, William and Harrison both got they had Clemson socks on. Uh, you didn't probably even see that, and they got it all. They got all the gear. Um, all the Dillard uncles and Dillard supplies. Yeah, there's yeah. been some some I of that, it. and then his his little uh, cousin. Uh, they all went a lot of a lot of my wife's side of the family went to Clemson, and so they you know have infiltrated um, his wardrobe. But he went to the funny story about that. We went to the Clemson Wake Forest football game, and uh, Clemson obviously killed Wake this year. But Wake had a decent team, and I was excited to go and. Um, Probably didn't think they'd win, but thought maybe they'd compete better than they did. And um, 
I put them all in. They had Wake Forest jerseys, and not that they could tell you what names of those players they were, but they knew Trevor Lawrence and <laughs> Travis Etienne. You know, they know all the Clemson players, but people used to say, oh, you're a Cle- Wake fan, and they said, my dad put this on me, but we all know who I'm really cheering for. <laughs> That's what they tell everybody. So Clemson has uh, taken over our house a little bit, which is which is fine. They're, they're a fun team to watch right now. Sure, ride the wave. I think a funny – if I could say a funny part of that was – my seats are right below where Charles, the box or whatever. Yeah. So I knew that Bill, you know, I knew they were going to be there. So I'm looking up there and, you know, William and Harrison, they've got their weight jersey on them, but they're doing the seat. <laughs> I just started laughing. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, we've kept them for longer than we expected. Quite a long time. Let's, Sorry uh, for we've, taking too long. I hope it didn't no, affect no. your day too bad. We got one you last question. You in the question. woods this afternoon? No, we did that. We took the boys last night. And we sat in the woods and we had a great time. So uh, nice. Did y'all go hunting last week together? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Dill I, I was working. Down, okay. But I had Charlie's been. before. Bill's right. a Wake Forest guy. So he doesn't get invited on the Tiger Golf. <laughs> okay. Duck hunt. okay. Charlie's he's asked me down. I haven't been able to go. I hear it's an, an amazing place. You but. guys should both come next year. Yeah. And uh, yeah. If no, I'm not working, I'll be there. I've had the pleasure of shooting with um, Dillard before. We I'm had sure. a good morning. I think we both limited out one morning. He's a hell of a shot. Do by you the never way. ever not limit out at Charlie Roundtree's? Um. Well, so I'm like. It's your fault if, if you, you do. If, right? if you if you rank the guests, okay, I'm yeah. the only one. That he's a paid client of Charlie, right? Okay. Like, so, I mean, we have a relationship. But I'm, like, always, if it's ranking 1 to 10, I'm 11, right? I mean, <laughs> we've got a couple of Gusta members. We've got tour winners. We've got, uh, you know what I mean? And so, right. Bo, you going to just, we're going to put you over here. <laughs> and, and so, that over here is, like, with me. And, well, I hate to say that I was in a blind with Dillard one time. That puts you where we are. But um, this year was with Coach Penley and Ben Martin and. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we typically get a good blind, and so, right. I mean, Coach Penley and I, two years ago, come about 8 o'clock, we were done eating breakfast. We were on the road. Charlie calls us both about 10 o'clock. How y'all do, Bo? I was like, I'm on the north side of Columbia, you know? So, <laughs> right. yeah, it's um, but it's it's a good hunt down at the Waterfowl Center. So. Well, we do have one standard question we ask every oh, guest. Yeah. This and we'll be go good. start with Kyle, go around the table. <clears throat> what was the first car you drove or owned? Hmm. First car that I owned? It was actually a Volkswagen Scirocco. It was Springs. Scirocco. How about that? Remember that car? I do remember that. Green. She, yep. It was she green. Drove that when I guess she, she was in college. college. Yep. That was wow. the first one. That Where'd I she get owned. that? Was that a hand-me-down? <clears throat> I don't know that. Wow. I don't it know wasn't that. hand-me-down to me. I think I somehow or another I got. You had to pay for it. Yes. I see a lot of that in this family uh, relationship. We <laughs> talked about that earlier. Too Dad, do I have to pay you for caddy? <laughs> I think I actually bought it, and another family member drove it, mm. and then I got it. I think I bought it before I was old enough to have a car. I got to tell you, all this so, family's great, because I'm over a cardiologist the other day, and the lady checking us out, oh, somehow I was wearing like a superintendent shirt, and next thing you know, it's Kyle's great aunt, if I'm not mistaken, Gladys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was her one of her daughters probably yeah Gladys she works over there so next thing you know I'm sitting there trying to check out 15-20 minutes later we're telling Kyle's stories and anyhow they're everywhere y'all are everywhere in this town 
Mr. Haas, what's your first car? Uh, I didn't have a car until I was a junior in college, and it was a 72, used 72 Mustang, red, had wow. a black vinyl top on it. It was sweet. You, you were ready that? to go on tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a junior, you were you were the first Anthony Kim ever, right? Like, oh, you were, <laughs> here we go, I'm out. I was dude. so far. I can't even imagine today... You know the guys going a year, two years, or whatever. I, at, at after four years, I was so far away uh, from being ready. But uh, but anyway, it was it was nice having having car, and I'm still a Mustang guy today. You own one now? I do. I only have a couple of them. Yeah. Wow. You have a new one, like one of the new. new I don't ones? have a, a '94. Oh, in, wow. An Indy Pace car. It's a conver- oh, red convertible, okay. and uh, a 2007 Shelby. Ooh, wow! Yeah. Good and they're both for sale. If you guys are interested, <laughs> so. do you take payment plans? We we again that whole tax bracket or round trees thing. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. We'll look yeah. at it one. Yeah. I'll make sure I never hit it. Plans. <laughs> Bill, um, I didn't. I mean, the first car I drove, uh, my brother and I shared a Ford Explorer. That was our high school um, truck. Was that bought new by chance? Or was that a used vehicle? It was brought new. I actually think it was and traded in. He had a couple old, some 60s Mustangs that he sacrificed yeah. for us to have a Ford Explorer. Right. Wow. And those, those two Mustangs that I traded are worth about 50 a piece now. And that, oh, gosh. that Ford Explorer, 50000 a piece. And the, and the Ford Explorer is worth about $50, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I sold my Explorer, the 93 that I had with 300 and something thousand miles on it for a good 1500 bucks. You probably could have got two grand. It didn't have that many miles on it. So. <laughs> uh, Sacrifice for your children, I guess. Yes, uh, you are. Yes. Uh, Dillard? Uh, blue Chevrolet Vega. Vega. I don't know the Vegas. We had like a Vega. That was Jan's okay. car. It was Jan's car? Yeah, when I first met Jan, she and had a Vega, that blue Vega. And mom and dad bought Jan a beautiful silver. Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. Red that interior. Thing was hot. Man. That thing flew. Yeah, that's what we had when we first came So I got the hemi now. Yeah. <laughs> Bill's I teased like, her about I've never the... been in that car, but I think I might have been in that car. <laughs> 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 that, that Vega, I teased Jan. I said, what, you got uh, You got a couple squirrels underneath there to run this thing? You know, it just, you'd press the gas and it would kind of go, maybe. <laughs> So my dad was driving this Vega, and this is how I got a new car, and he was crossing this four-lane interstate, real close to Furman University, and uh, he went to punch it, and it didn't go. It died right there on that road, and so that's how I ended up getting a new car. So, that's funny. Uh, but anyway. Nice. Well, gentlemen, thank you all for spending a long time with us today. Pleasure. Kyle, thank you for putting this together. And, uh, to. good well, thank you for you. what you do for the game. Yep. I think on behalf of all of us who have ever participated in the administrative side or enjoyed any of the game from the South Carolina Golf Association, Junior Golf Association, Junior Golf Foundation perspective, as a transplant, an Army brat, I can say that. We both pay taxes here now, so I appreciate what you guys are doing for the community. I've got a couple coming up. Hopefully get over here sometime, playing the blade, etc. So, for what y'all do for the game here locally is is impressive and it matters, and we thank you for that. Thanks for those words. Yeah, thank for you. sure. You nice. got a lot of giving back to do. Yeah, he's, if that's one thing you can learn, it's hard to keep up with in many ways. It's, yeah, that ten uh, that ten million went out quick in terms of giving back, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, folks, I think you can understand why the introduction was so short, because that podcast was probably one of my most favorite. Yep, no doubt about one of my most favorite, and a good tiger story and a little cuss word in there. Un- unusual, rare on pulling weeds. Well, then you had to let that one stick, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> so, Tiger, when you retweet this, we appreciate your sense of humor and letting us get a little jab at you there. Yeah, we won't censor any tiger stories going forward. No, never, that? never. And if we have any more. And, and, well, no, no. I was just going to add that it's really funny that I poke fun at a PGA winner like that about the quality of his table. <laughs> True, yes. <laughs> I will say you have a nice table here. I go table to table against Haas Family Golf Center. Oh, that's the only reason I bring it up. Okay. Uh, we could tell the story about why the finish is a little bit screwed up on our table here in the office, though. Go ahead and share. Oh, when our past president, Mr. Jeff Cannell, mm-hmm. um, at the end of his presidency, decides that it's a good idea to bring flowers to all the ladies and bosses and things and nicely, and then I have a little blue, like in wax paper type gift sitting back here waiting for me a couple days to get in and open it and... By the time I open that fancy package of coal, it's eaten through the varnish on the table, and we still have these nice little bubbles showing right here. It's a good life lesson to remember every time you sit down here. Don't give people coal for Christmas and think it's funny. Yes. That's a total Jeff Canal move, though. Oh, without uh, question. So this, we're going to take a little break from the Pro Series and go back to off course, correct? Bulldog. Sorry, I just couldn't let an episode uh, okay. go without it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about stopping by and seeing Bulldog on the way home. Okay, there we go. How, clo- how far are we from there? Um, like, miles or minutes? Is it on my way out of town? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. I was going to stop by, take a picture of the parking lot, and leave. Just mess with him. I was going to take a picture of you not in his parking spot here using the visitor spot and mess with him, too. I always use the visitor spot. But we all know it's Monday, and he just got back from vacation. So what happens on Monday when you come back from va- vacation as a superintendent? Things go wrong. You have to be grumpy. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? I mean, okay. it's just that's how it is, right? We've been gone a week. I'm busy. Yeah. Just yep. kidding, all you guys. I know you're hopefully laughing right now saying, Tim, you don't know what we do. There you go. But anyhow, no, that was just a joke about Jeff. Oh, I'm sorry, Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. Bulldog. Both of them. Both of them. But what were you saying before that? We're going to take, we're going back to off course series. We're going to take a little break from the pro series, but we definitely want to thank our man, Wally Gresham and Bulk Ag, for Him coming on board. Yeah. yeah. T. Appreciate those guys a lot. I know they're um, they're making their way over into the Carolinas and trying to do their thing, and we just appreciate the partnership. If you need USGA spec sand to fill your holes, they're your people. Only on pulling weeds will you hear ads like that. And they also have tour angle. He said, "Sex sells." <laughs> so does USGA spec sand. Can you say like to fill your airification scars? Instead of... <laughs> okay, here's a funny story. I will finish on a funny story. So, obviously, my wife spent a handful of days with Sam Fryer at Columbia Country Club during his verification process. Hey, did y'all do some of that behind-the-scenes work for the club on the Twitter machine during the amateur, too? I did the video. Man, well, that was good stuff, guys. Well, I did the one with the maintenance crew. Yeah. Yeah, somebody else. No, that was awesome, man. Sorry, Thank go you. ahead. Yep. Uh, they worked hard, man. They worked hard. Anyway, so Kristen got to spend a week with him during the verification or a couple of days. So my man, Ryan McClan, is looking for an assistant up there at Winston-Salem. And my wife applied. And she oh. goes, listen, I made three passes on a green mower, and I walked behind the thingy that punches holes. And Ryan's reply goes, well, if you know that it's called the thingy that punches holes, you're, you're hired. That's great. So we're going to relocate to Winston-Salem. Oh, she got the job? She did, but I think she turned it down. Wow. She got the offer anyway. 
I mean, as a male, I wouldn't want to work for Ryan, much less a female. Yeah, I said it, Ryan. What? I hope you're listening. No, he says it's, it's advantageous because it's, it's Bermuda grass. You don't have to stress in the summer. He's advertising it as stress-free living. He might even have a billboard going up on the highway up there. Since this is publicly recorded, or privately recorded and publicly aired, <laughs> we'll be leaving off any remaining remarks about that. All right. So, hey, everybody, thank you. Um, yeah, seriously, we took a three-episode three break here with the Pro Series We've got intentions of uh, back on with the off-course series and our industry guests starting the middle of next month. And if all goes well, um, well, who knows with this pandemic. But our plan and hope is to at least have three more of the Pro Series episodes done um, by the end of the year to kind of sprinkle in between our our regular first and middle-of-the-month episodes. So um, thanks for putting up with us and some of the technology challenges with Zoom occasionally and whatnot. But hopefully... uh, Big Al and I can find some new hazmat suits, get on the road, and bubble up, folks. We should. We should wear those old bubble. You ever seen... Nah, never mind. Oh, the dude in New York that did that thing with the girlfriend that was on YouTube. Did you ever see that? Nah. Where he met her across the rooftop and ended up like... Now they're like engaged or whatever, but he, he ended up buying one of those bubble things to go over and walk around the block with her. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know where these little self-inflating bubble suits are, but like you get inside of it, it's got a little inflator. That's cool. And not to keep going here. Yeah. But I saw something in Canada the other day about yoga. Have you seen the yoga bubbles? No. Oh, you got to Google that. I will. It looks like a sheet, okay, of the little things used to pop as a kid that came in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except there's people in them. And there's like grass and whatnot. So somehow they have made these bubbles for yoga so you can be in the same area and be with people but not in their space, if that makes sense. You think they can do baby goat yoda? Uh, Yoga with turf melt? Dude, that would be hilarious, but that little baby goat might, might pop. Pop, pop the bubble. Yeah. I don't know if horns are acceptable in that. <laughs> Melissa, if you're listening, will you check into that so we can update them on the next episode? Baby goat's horns can't be that dangerous. You know? More, more, more dangerous than you think? I guess. I mean, if it's like sand, it could fill any hole. Thank you for listening to Pullin' Weeds, brought to you by Simplot Turf and Horticulture. Want to become a member of the Carolinas GCSA? Visit carolinasgcsa.org for more information or call the office at 800-476-4272. Follow the show on Twitter at Pullin underscore Weeds or on Facebook at Pullin' Weeds Podcast. 